welcome to the Two Men on the Run podcast. And today, we've got a man who has travelled the race of life filled with many ups and downs. He's an actor, a writer, producer, boxer, runner, wedding minister, and the patron of the Shannon Bradshaw Trust from down in War- just down the road in Warrington, Derek Vernon. Welcome yeah! Many honours to be here. Thank you. Welcome, Many Derek. Honor. Welcome. We're going to start, Derek. What an amazing life you've lived. You've had some real lows, devastating lows, which for some people they might never have got back from. We're going to go through the, all that and the highs, some amazing highs, professional spotlight actor. And we're going to start way back in your beloved Warrington when you were a little wee boy. Did you have a happy upbringing? Tell us about that. Yes, I had a great upbringing, really. You know, I was born literally stone's throw from Victoria Park, just over the road there, Florence Street. Uh, I lived there till I was 13. I left in September 1973. Uh, Everton beat Arsenal 1-0 that day, I always remember, John McLaughlin. And you're a big Evertonian. I'm Evertonian as well, yeah, all the family are, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I was brought up there. I went to Richie Fairclough School, which, again, wonderful, wonderful memories. And it was there till I was 13 and the, the family, uh, the house sadly got, uh, was the council said they're going to demolish the houses. We was devastated. We had a lovely house. So we ended up living uh, in Gains, right outside Stockton Heath on Gainsborough Road where my father still lives. Stockton Heath is regarded as a wealthy area. Is that right? Correct? Yeah, it's, it's cast as that. Yeah, I suppose it is. Yes, it's, it's a nice area. So my dad still lives there now. Uh, he's 85 at Christmas and he's st- still there. I mean, uh, yeah, so, and I had great years there as well. So I moved there when I was 13 and uh, I carried on Richard Fairclough School, obviously. And that, that was my childhood. It was playing football on Victoria Park, playing for various football teams. Uh, I played for the school team. We had a fantastic school team. We got to you know, cup finals and this, that and the other. Uh, and that, that, during that time, we went to Germany. Uh, we played in Frankfurt. And it was, I think it was relatively knew that you know it's like yeah. school teams going to abroad now it's now it's 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 more common and we played well apparently it's how we found out in the 80s and i wasn't there because i was in the cross-country race yeah. uh, at the school when the school sadly calls down that's uh, our pe teacher mr thomas he, he told some of the some of the lads there that uh, he had the team sheet because the team sheet then when we played in germany in 1976 april was quite irrelevant in a way because none of the names meant anything, yeah, you know. Yeah. Except for mine, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. But anyway, what happened was uh, they had the team sheets. And on that team sheet was Rudy Vogler and Nick Barsky. And we got beat 4-0, which is always on the card against them. But I remember Rudy Vogler up front because I, I, looking back, I can see this guy with long scrawny hair and he was causing havoc, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think he got three goals as well. If, 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 if I'm correct, I might not be on that, but I think he did. That particular German team, did they win the World Cup? He or? won the World Cup, yeah. yeah. He was. Yeah. They was both in the team. Mm. Uh, in fact, it was Rudy Vogel the manager at one point as well? I'm not sure. But yeah, so I played mm. against them too. And yeah. uh, i say I was quite chuffed with that when I found out years later. I'd, I'd just done a cross-country race in the Liverpool League and it was my friend who rang me up. No mobiles in them days, by yeah. the way, guys. You know, I'm, an old, I'm a bit of an old dude, you know. My mate rang me up on the landline and he said, hey, you won't believe who we played against. And I said, I can remember him. Actually, he stood out smile, you know. He really did. And there you go, yeah. Rudy Voller. Hey. Rudy Voller, If yeah. you're listening, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> then you, you got into boxing. 
Is that right? Or is that a bit later? No, I got into about yeah, that, that's that's correct. Yeah, I mean, I started working at Richmond's in ninety. I, I qualified as an apprentice welder, and the place to work in them days it was like Greenall's a brewery, you know, in Warrington. There was big money places, you know, and there was Richmond's where all the family worked. So them days you could have the family working there, which was which was great. So I got a job at Richmond's. Now, I got a pretty good job at first. It was like a quality control over all the quality in that in that yeah. you know in the factory, you know. So it was a pretty responsible job, and it was a good job, and it was an easy job as well. I've got to be honest. It was easy and easy money, and I loved it. It was pleasant, and uh, I was working there, and all of a sudden. Uh, the, the manager thought he was doing me a favour at the time because he really liked me. He put me on probably the worst job in the factory, you know, and uh, and that wasn't really very good. But but they, that, that's how it went. So, yeah, so I started there in 1976. I started on the semi-lines in, in, in the, the early 80s. Uh, we back to the boxing, sorry. I started boxing when I was 19, and at that point I started just jogging. For what I, reason, sorry, did you decide to start boxing? Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm always... Self-defence or...? Yeah, a bit of self-defence, but with me, I've always got to be doing something, you know, as you can probably see with my crazy lifestyle, but at that point it was boxing. Yeah. I thought, I fancy, just fancy having a few fights in the ring. Not fights, fights, I mean, not into fighting. Just self-defence, like you say, John, you know, and, and uh, Matthew, just just to keep myself fit. and Because uh, I knew I was a very fit lad, you know, I was a very fit lad and I wanted to... I, did, I never thought about athletics at that point. So I wasn't really interested in athletics. Yeah. I was interested in the, in the Olympics and all that, but I never thought for one minute I'd get into running races. It just never never crossed my mind at that point. So yeah, I went so far. I fancy boxing, and a few of my mates were really good boxers. So I went down to the Raven ABC, uh, and he had a few. I, I should have had four fights. Yeah, I had two two bouts. Sorry, I'm calling bouts, and I won one and lost one. So. Uh, I was never going to be the best boxer in the world, but I had a go, and it was it was it was all right. It was yeah, it was great memories again. Yeah, it was fantastic. You've gone on. I would just skip ahead. Like you've gone on to meet some of these great boxers. Uh, yeah, Tyson, Ernie Shavers, all these particular people. Um, is there any of, of them? You've you've been involved in a, a Muhammad Ali music video, I believe. Um, yeah. Out of all those boxes, which one would you say stood out the most to you, and and personally, sort of, because you've you've had encounters with them. Yeah, I mean, I've been out with Gary Holmes a few times. He was world champion for heavyweight champion of the world, American, obviously, for I don't know, I'm not sure, six years, I think. And he fought Muhammad Ali, and, and he was he was probably uh, and uh, Joe Frazier as well. I was out with Joe Frazier with Charlie, my mate, my mate Charlie, my best mate, lifelong best friend Charlie. He's a He's a pundit, and he, he does he, he introduces all the boxers, you know, and he's 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 toured everywhere. And me being into the sport as well, I went along with him a few times, you know, and I met and this is how I met these people. Well, uh, Larry Holmes, sorry, we, we went out with him, and I thought he was again with, with Joe Frazier. I thought Larry Holmes was absolutely amazing. He was such a a wonderful person. I mean, I remember on one occasion he had all these. Uh, underprivileged children sat on the table yeah. and he, he he brought them over from America, you know, yeah. to pay for it. Yeah. He was he was just one of them people, like a big teddy bear, you, you could you, you could probably hug him in the street and get away with it. <laughs> he was that friendly and very caring. Very caring, yeah. And he's still with his wife as well, which I thought was amazing. And and when he was when he got up to give his speech about his boxing and his life, he, you know, he mentioned his wife and his wife was there. So 
that's very rare that I think yeah. you know because yeah. you, yeah, you, you know how life is he, they meet people but no he was he loved her and he was and he's still together and he, just an amazing human being and we're going to mention your wife in a short while perhaps uh, do you have to <laughs> 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 you left the boxing and got involved with athletics you turned up at Warrington AC when you were about 23 yeah uh, what happened was uh, I was uh, going back to Richmond well that's when it started really there was a guy at Richmond Paul who's still a very good friend of mine and he was running like a, I think he just broke three hours for the half marathon uh, for the marathon and he was like I was telling him what times I was doing in training because I remember I was running like 38 minutes for seven mile and and it, 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 off my watch you know I, yeah, I reckon yeah. it was seven mile and, and I knew I was fast at school and he was quick and he kept saying, get in a race, get in a race. And I really wasn't interested at that point. I, I wanted to, but something was holding me back. Anyway, there was the Northwich Half Marathon come up in 1983. And he said, get in this race. He says, uh, I want to race against you. So I thought, yeah, okay then. So we entered the race. And it was quite funny really, because uh, after one mile, you sort of came back on yourself right. and then you ran the rest of the 12 mile. And now my nickname is Iggy. People call me Iggy as well because right. Iggy Pop, David Bowie. Yeah. It's another story that. But anyway, so big fan of David Bowie. Massive fan of David Bowie. Yeah, David Bowie's got me through so much in my really? life. And yeah. how did that love a first start with David Bowie? Nineteen seventy-two, top of the pops. <laughs> top of the pops. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was. He, he'd had his first hit record in '69 and been successful, but it was nineteen seventy-two when I first seen him, and I thought, oh my god, this guy is unbelievable. And then when I bought the album, Iggy Stardust, that was it. I was. Uh, it was just. I believe. Some of the the, the band the band uh, at the time connected with David Bowie have worked on a piece of music which will be potentially in a film that you're working on. Is that right? Yeah. Well, wait, you was... if we're allowed to mention that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The uh, the vampire. I don't know what you're going to call it. Zoe. Zoe. It's Zoe. Yeah. This I'm writing a feature one called Zoe. It's a Warrington based feature film with the, with the exception of uh, Stuart Sutcliffe's House of the Beatles. Mm. And uh, because John Lennon are deaf six months and Brian Epstein's house, which you've got permission to film there. So they're going to be, uh, and the reason I've got them is, uh, without giving too much about the plots, yeah. we've got two policemen, retired policemen, who, who, who are on the case of somebody who's gone missing, let's say. And I, I don't know if this still happens, but them days, policemen used to live out of town, you know, they never yeah. lived in where they worked. Yeah. I think it's still the same, actually. So me, when we can't, we've crazy contacts. I've got a few more, I've got a few pieces of locations as well. Uh, I've got I've got these houses for my film, so I've decided that's where the policemen are going to live, yeah. you know. So they're going to bench you. But have you got John Lennon's house, potentially? It's, it's Stuart Sutcliffe's house, uh, John, yeah. And that's where John Lennon lived for six months before they went to Hamburg. Right. That was his main base, really, yeah. Well, you know, that's where he stayed all the time. And, and where, they, where, they, where they announced the name, the Beatles, because they called the Silver Beatles at first. Martin McLaughlin's going to love this, by the way. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping Martin will definitely yeah. listening. And, yeah. you know, he's going to enjoy he's this. He's a great lad, Martin. He's a great lad. He's a, he's a, he knows his stuff as well about the Beatles. He knows a lot more than me, obviously. He was a tour guide. Uh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so basically, uh, uh, yeah, I've got John Lennon's... Uh, he shoots up of his house, and before they went to Hamburg, yeah. before they, uh, you know, became more famous, let's say, 1962 was the first hit record. Well, that's where John Lennon lived for six months, you know. And apparently, at the meetings in the house with Paul McCartney and everything, apparently that's where they, they called the band the Beatles, because at first they were called the Silver Beatles. So, 
they, they decided to call the band the Beatles Institute of Suckley. That's when it was announced. It was John Lennon who made yeah. the announcement, yeah. Yeah. So we're... Going back to the running again. So we're back in your early 20s and you decided to run this race against a work colleague, a friend. Yeah, he's a, he's a black belt in second down in karate, so I wasn't going to argue with him, you know. So <laughs> so he, he offered me the challenge. I thought, do we, how do we get out of this one? So, <laughs> so yeah, so I ran the race. Uh, what was it, a marathon? Half marathon, oh. Northwich half, yeah. And I, I basically, I'd turn up with these, I won't say the best running shoes, I needed new running shoes. I always remember that, because I remember my girlfriend, my future wife saying, hey, you need some, some new running shoes, but and he was a bit, Tatty, but I did run in him. I didn't know what speed work is. Yeah. I didn't warm up. I didn't warm down. He just stood there, a little scary on the front line with all these a thousand runners. So anyway, he's next to me on the, on on the, in the race, and he's he's really wanting to beat me. You know, yeah. don't like, gotta say there was a he's, he's still a friend now. He's a fan. His name is Paul Arton. He won't yeah. mind me saying that. He's a fantastic. He's a great friend. So I'm on the start line to this race, and, and as I say, uh, after one mile, you go back yeah. on yourself. And my name's Iggy. This comes yeah. into this conversation. So the gun goes, we start running. I'm with this leading group. And we go. There's about 10 in, in the race. In the leading group, I should say. And after a mile, I run past where we started. Yeah. And then Paul was behind me. Uh, he, he ran about one hour, 16 minutes, something like that, I think. So Paul's behind me. And then he, he shouted to his girlfriend, Where's Iggy? And she goes, he's in the first 10. He said, if we're like dropping out on the spot, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I finished eighth as it was, and around one hour, 14 minutes, and it was pretty uh, hilly course, I suppose, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, there's some good hills around there. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. So, yeah, it was an hilly course as well. So I was, I was very happy with that, and it was my first race. I was running, I remember rightly, all I did for that was two seven-mile runs. I did, actually. I checked my diaries, and a 12-mile run, that was yeah. it. Yeah, that was all I did. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, how how do you do that without any training? Well, that was it. Just two seven miles and a twelve, and it was no speed work, John. Because yeah. didn't know what speed work was. It was just basically them runs were eyeballs out. Well, you know, fast. You, you were doing that for a period of time, so many weeks, thirty six miles a week, was it? Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I mean, that put that. Yeah, sorry. sorry uh, you, two, uh, fourteen and twelve. I was, I was running uh, two 26, sevens. Twenty six. Yeah, I was running two sevens, fourteen mile a week. And then when I was offered this challenge yeah. of running the half marathon, then I thought, well, I better do a bit of training for this, a bit more. Mm. And I thought three days a week was yeah. was good. You know what I mean? And yeah. looking back, it was terrible. <laughs> so anyway, so what I did was uh, I thought, I'll do another seven mile run and I'll build up to 12 mile. I thought, that should do it. So we did a 12 mile and a two seven. And two, that was me, that was me, basically my mileage, yeah. Yeah, that's only uh, 26 miles a week. 26 miles a week, yeah, yeah marathon distance, yeah. 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 And then, from, so, and then from there, obviously, you, you then head down to, to Warrington AC. And, yeah. Um, and there was, obviously, I, I know Warrington AC of that era relatively well. Some of the names of I know relatively well. And, and some of the training sessions was, was Bert Quennell still the, the coach? Bert Quennell was the coach, yeah. yeah. Coach there. Um, and the Broomfield session is, is, oh, is, the, is the legendary session. Fantastic and session. I've always yeah. heard, heard of. Um, and obviously, training alongside the, the likes of, of my dad. Um, um, Andy Green was in the. Was he training with the group at the time? Or? Andy Green was in his own group. Uh, in that group was your dad, uh, who I'm going to speak about because yeah. uh, he was such an important character and he still is in my life. You know, we, I've got so many wonderful things. We could have three hours just talking about your dad, to be honest, Matthew. Yeah. So I'll, I'll abbreviate it, you know. <laughs> but we could have three hours just talking about your dad. Trust me, we, we really could. Yeah, but there was me, there was obviously me, there was your dad. Uh, there was Jeff Settle, who was the councillor yeah. of Warrington. Yeah, He's yeah, a yeah. very great friend. And 
He's a fantastic, fantastic fellow. There's a guy called Phil Abbott from Winsford. There was Clive Ulse. Uh, a nice little story about Phil and Clive. They went to Benidorm yeah. and Clive won the Benidorm Marathon and Phil won the Arc Marathon. Right. And that's uh, yeah, I, that, yeah, yeah. that's a really wonderful story for me. That I love that. I love that. Uh, who else was the uh, Neil? Join us, Neil yeah. Smart. You, yeah. you, you know, you, you, you're uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Neil Smart joined us a few times. Uh, who else was there? I'm trying to think who else. Was Neil Riddle or Steve Burton or anything? Uh, Steve, Steve was there, but we we had uh, we had we had a, like an elite group. Uh, yeah. Well, all elite boys. Yeah. How, how do you word this? We had different categories yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. groups. So so we was like in the elite group, yeah. you know, and 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 that's how it was. But yeah, Steve Steve was a great one. Steve was there as well. Uh, Wayne Thorpe, Wayne yeah. Thorpe, he was there. Yeah. Another great character, Wayne. Yeah. Fantastic athlete, brilliant athlete, Wayne. Bit of a character, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a great group. We, we trained on, on the track. But how I initially went down to Warrington Athletic Club was this. I ran the Northwich half. Yeah. And then I ran the Warrington half. Uh, and I ran one hour, 13 minutes. And, and then actually run a marathon, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, so it's a good time considering the mileage you did. Because you know, I did a 20-mile run and I did two seven-mile runs. Yeah. That was my training. So what I did after I run the, the, the Northwich... I seen a caption in the Warrington Guardian of a, a, a guy who'd won the uh, Weaver Mark Marathon, and it was Ken Woodhouse. Yeah. Ken Woodhouse trained with us. Yeah. Sorry, there's another one. How can I forget him? So Ken Woodhouse uh, had won the uh, the uh, Weaver Mark Marathon, and I, I seen him in a paper, and I thought it was that was like a god to me, you know, because yeah. I, I was what I really into me running. I was, Ken Woodhouse. I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said he lives on Chester Road around the corner. This guy, what's won the Weaver? To me, that was, uh, and he still is fantastic, don't get me wrong. So, me being cheeky as I am, I went around his house and knocked on his door yeah. <laughs> for some advice. And he was he was sound, he invited me in and he said, uh, what, have you, what training have you done? I told him and he was quite shocked, I didn't know what speed it was and warming up and warming down. He was he was laughing at that. Yeah. And then he said to me, uh, what times have you got? And I told him my times and he was took back and I said, I'm running a marathon. He said, what mile are you doing? And I told him, and he said, oh, that's not enough. I said, well, I'd be all right, and this, that, and the other. Because at this point, I was still, I was enjoying it, but I was frightened of taking it at stage further, you see. So I ran the Manchester Marathon, and I ran 2.43, yeah. and I was on, I was running, as I say, two seven-mile runs and a 20-mile run, that was it. And I could have gone quicker and all, you know. I, I'm not saying that, but I held back as well. I bit of doing that sometimes. I was just a bit worried about going off. To, uh, going. Yeah, yeah. I remember getting to 18-mile, and... I was running with some chap, I don't know who he was to this day. Well, I thought, that's my pace. And for some reason, probably because of the marathon distance, I didn't I didn't go with him. And I, I don't know who the guy was, but he was running that bit brisker than me. And it was a pace I'd have been comfortable with. And don't yeah. ask me why. Probably because I was frightened of the distance. Yeah. And I'm not making excuses now, guys, because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, 2.43 is a pretty good time and all that. But yeah, I could have yeah. done, done better than that, obviously, in years later. But I didn't, I didn't go with him. And I, I tend to be like that at times. I'm a little bit unconfident, you know. Yeah. I've got to say, I, don't, I am a confident chap, as you say. I've, done really, I've had a bit of a, a bizarre life, if you like. But there's this a little bit of self-confidence about me sometimes. So I didn't go with this guy. And, and I could have gone quicker. But I remember coming in quite fresh. And, uh, and, uh, and my, girl, my girlfriend said, I said, I could have gone quicker than that, you know. She's just run 243. Yeah, yeah. I said, I don't know. I said, but I could have gone under 240. I just know I could have. And I didn't. And now I'm just talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. But it's still a great story, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so then I joined the, uh, I went down the running club with Kenny, and then I met the iconic, your father, Jim. Uh, I met your wonderful mother, you know. I met all these wonderful athletes, wonderful friends. I don't see much, I see Jeff now, and, and uh, we've got me and Clive also going to Liverpool soon. Yeah. Um, I do a little mini Beatles tour. Right. Where it, in a mile radius, two pubs are included, lads, yeah. so you, that's your interest, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in a mile radius, we do this mini Beatles tour, so I've said to Clive, I'll, uh, I'll take him on that, you know, so we do that quite regular. And the houses are what I'm filming yeah. in my film, hopefully, as well. So, yeah, so uh, I met these uh, great athletes, and as I say, my running was pretty short-lived, but I started taking it more serious then. Because uh, I started, at first when I joined, I don't know about you guys, but when you start doing speed, I don't forget, I'd never done speed. Yeah, yeah. So when I started doing speed work, uh, I didn't really improve for a while yeah. because I was just absolutely shattered. Even though I was pretty quick, I was absolutely shattered. So my, my time stayed the same. And then all of a sudden, I, I just got, uh, I went there 83, I think it was, uh, one of the athletic club, end of 83, if I remember rightly. And then my time started uh, just getting quicker. And then before I knew it, uh, we're going into 84. I got married in 84. Let's, let's skip that one. Oh. So yeah, so uh, so uh, I got married. That's when all my troubles started, lads. But anyway, so I got married in '84. Uh, two wonderful sons from that. I've got to say. And then started. Uh, I started winning. I won my first race in '84. That's it. Yeah, Yanshu bus twelve k, and that's my first race. Uh, race and that was a wonderful feeling, you know. But by this point, I was running about. I would have been running my 80 mile week actually yeah. then. Yeah. And then uh, and I was on this horrendous factory job, as I say. Yeah. So I was just shattered, but happy. I'm an happy chap. I won that and then uh, uh, I broke the course record for 10,000 metres on the track. And that's a funny story, really. Ian Corrin won that. Yeah. If you ever uh, interesting, I'm sure Ian, Ian won the Liverpool Marathon three years in a row. He's a, a great guy. Yeah. He really is, yeah. I mean, three years in a row, that's an incredible yeah. achievement. So Ian won the 10k, 7,000 metres race. I'd never run on a track in my life. Yeah. So uh, I was, I run most of the race in the outside lane. <laughs> so I'm on, I'm on further yeah, than 10k. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I started towards halfway and then I finished. There was a lad called Ian Wilkinson as well in that race. Right. I'm sure he was from St. Helens. Right. And he, he finished behind me and he won the St. Helens half marathon. Right, yeah. I'm sure he did. Yeah, Ian Wilkinson, yeah. That's just come to light. Oh, and there was uh, Kevin Jakes. Yeah, recognised him. Yeah, he was in it as well. He was, he, he was. Uh, I've got a photograph of it actually. Yeah. yeah, I've got a few. Yeah, so Ian won it. Ian's. Uh, uh, I, start, I had a few races. Tassled. I raced against Ian Corrin after that. I beat him in a cross country race on, on Vicky Park shortly after that. But uh, Ian over the longer distance. Oh, he was mustard. He won for England. He was. Yeah. Lot, lot of respect for Ian. Fantastic athlete. So yeah, I broke the course record. So we came off the track and didn't have a clue what time we'd won. And uh, my dad was. Looking dead shuffed and all that, yeah. the family were there. And then it was uh, Neville Jones, yeah. iconic one yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he came up to me and said, you've just broke the course record in your first track race. I said, you're joking? I thought, you kind of got that right. And around 31 minutes, 42 seconds, which I'm pretty pleased with. And uh, and and uh, I had. And then, uh, of course, I think it was Andy Green, yeah. which is always on the cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something yeah. Something. Andy's a great yeah. athlete, isn't he? Well, Andy... Andy uh, but that was, I was just getting good at that point yeah. as well, you know. So eventually, around 30 minutes, 7 seconds for 10k. Yeah. Manchester 10k, around that. And that, unfortunately, that was in my final season, just as it was all, I was ready, uh, you know, for packing in. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... Uh, just one thing on that particular session that yeah. Matthew mentioned, um, 
what, in, what what's in, yeah what's broom involved field. in the broom what do you call it broom fields go on tell us what's involved oh it's an amazing session what what's involved <clears throat> it's a basically it's Broomfield school it's quite it's just you're running up a you know a side hill it's eight, it's eight laps a 600 meters remember rightly and you're on 600 meters on this field you two lads you need to get on this you need to go on this it's it's amazing I know Phil, Phil Hicken used to say the, uh, when he's still coaching he stepped down this year actually yeah he has yeah, he used yeah. To, uh, I always remember chatting to him at races and he used to still take the the lads out there and stuff that he was coaching. Yeah, it's amazing. Dad, so. it's, it's great. I mean, it was your dad again. Yeah. Uh, your, your dad. I was like doing pretty well uh, with the running. I went on that 85. And all of a sudden I started, I was right at the front of your dad. Yeah. I was coming in right behind, you know, with the, with, the, yeah. with the lads, the main lads coming in, just virtually running in with him. And the, the speed was, was real. you know, was really moving. And, it, and I always remember your dad, it was just before him when the Ellsby Half Marathon. And he, he said to Bert, that, this is an happy memory. Yeah. He said, Let's watch him now. He said, he said, he's not been running two minutes. He said, I'm telling you now, he's, Derek's going to do really well. And then yeah. next race was the Ellsbyn. I have to won that, yeah. you know. Yeah, but the session was, going back to the session, lads, it was 600 metres. And then you do a 200 metre jog, running downhill, slightly downhill, you know. And then you go back to the starts and you go, whoo, you're off again. It was eight 600 metre sprints with a 200 metre recovery. Yeah. Fast recovery, not like a... And the 600 metres are just a gentle increase. A gentle increase, yeah. yeah. Up, uphill. It, uphill, yeah. yeah. It's Interesting. Fantastic sessions. How often would you do that? Just once a week in the winter, once really. Once a week in the winter. I, I had stuck a runner called it Alfie Crockett on there. He, he runs yeah. one of some park runs. Uh, he, he, you know, a lovely chap. And I've stuck him on there. Yeah. I've stuck my son on there as well. Yeah. My son's won a few races. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, he won, won the Pendulum Half Marathon and this, that, yeah. and the other. You know, he's... But I've took them on their training on there, and they 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 themselves say it's it is a great session, wonderful memories. And we used to run there from Victoria Park, you know, we'd all meet on Vicky Park, and it was there was all runners, and it was like I said it was I remember rightly, it was different categories of standard of runners, you know, yeah. we, but we all was on there together. Yeah, it's yeah. about ten of us, twelve of us, and we'd run down there, you know. Yeah, oh, Stan Ogden was in that group as well. Oh, so to go back, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stan Ogden. Funny how names come back, isn't it? Yeah. Now you didn't get the support. In the family home from your your wife at the time, no, is that correct, Danny? Yeah, well, it was a bit. It was not really. Yeah, I didn't. There was a lot of races I could have won, and I was I was stopped just before I ran him. I mean, there was there was the limb ten. I remember I wanted to win the limb ten. I really yeah. did, and I was I was doing really well at the time. I thought gonna be on fifty minutes here, something like that, and I was ready to run the race. You know, you are lads when you prep for the race yeah, and you yeah. condition. I mean, don't get me wrong, my mileage was slated in my week because I'm your CD. Yeah. I never dropped my mileage, but what I used to do is to get most of my mileage in early in the week, even though it's yeah, still yeah. tiring, and sort of taper down at yeah. least. So I taper down. I remember it was it was uh, Easter, an Easter yeah. race, and it was like a guy called Roland Ibbard who won it. And if you check him out, he's he was pretty fast over yeah. five thousand meters, and and I raced him a few times. And I, I used to get the better rolling. Uh, I used to have a bit of rivalry at first. Yeah, yeah. For, for, I, don't, I don't know why, but we did. Yeah, we all right. I don't get me wrong. So it was the night before the race. And it's, and she, she just said, uh, I don't want you running that race. I said, what? I said, I, I, the kitchen needs painting. It was any excuse, you know. So me being me, being stupid, I did. And then my, my brother, who, oh, my brother, my brother was a good runner. He won, he won the trucks of 10K in 32 right, minutes, you know. Glenn so Burning. You, so you actually dropped out of that race? I dropped out of that race. Are your wife's ordering you to paint the kitchen? 
It was it was Maiva, you know. Just yeah. you just knew it. You, you should have a face on this that, and the other, and maybe an easy going. And but I don't get me wrong, I wasn't happy with it. We shouldn't forget <coughs> for the listener who doesn't know this that it was a short lived career. It was four years. Four years, yeah. And you had some quite amazing successes within such a short span of time, and you were offered a significant offer from a major brand of working in a particular store. Um, Tell us about that. Tell us what happened, because this is really important. Yeah, well, what happened was, I mean, it comes to a point in my, in my athletics where I was, in my last season, I'd won my last seven mid races. Yeah. I'd run the Whitchurch in 30 minutes, 57 seconds, which uh, Steve Torrance, you, you heard of him? Steve Torrance, he's one for England. Yeah, but is it Steve Torrance? Or, oh, Andrew Pearson. Andrew Pearson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, he, he broke my course record by one yeah. second uh, the year after. And it was a pretty good race, which I, I ran that. I, won, I ran 30.07 in the Manchester 10K. Uh, I, ran, I, was, uh, I didn't win that one. I was second in that one. But I'd won seven races on the trots. And things were going right. I mean, I felt strong. And I, I remember I started doing a little bit of weights as well. And that improved my performance. Because yeah. even though I was, uh, because of my mileage, it sort of me, uh, sat my strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I started doing weights, I found I was getting even stronger. I don't mean every weight. I yeah, mean just yeah, basic yeah. weights, yeah. And I, I was, my times were coming, were getting really, really good, you know. And I, I remember I ran the Olden 10K and there was about 5,000 runners in that. And again, I had 80, 87 miles in my legs. I always remember this. And I was exhausted. I ran that in 30 minutes, 30 seconds. Steve Kenyon won that in 29 yeah. minutes. And another mistake, I should have dropped my mileage. I never dropped my mileage. So the potential was there. Now, if I had took the job with a major running chain, I would have concentrated on my running and then obviously got advice of the, yeah, you know, yeah. no, Bert was a legend, but advice of uh, yeah. these other runners. And I'd have got me, my running was all over the place. It could have been a lot better. You know, he was, he was, he was. Potentially it boosted you to another level. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, 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 once I'd been working on this horrible factory job, I could have concentrated on my training, you know. Uh, I could, then would, then I'd have been looking with a vision, where am I going now at events, all the big races and, I mean, I, don't, I reckon I'd run on 30 minutes for 10k, obviously, and things like that. I mean, half marathon sound to come right down because, but it never materialised. And uh, one day uh, I, was in this, I was in a running shop and this I was talking to, I like to talk, as you can, yeah. as you can hear, right? <laughs> and I was, I, was, <laughs> I was talking to these uh, runners uh, in, just in a shop. I just won the East Cheshire 7 in Manchester, which was a good race. And I remember rightly, Jeff Norman was third and... Some Irish guy was second, I forget who. Jeff, another great one, Jeff Norman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah, he's got, I know where, uh, I know Dave Norman is, is, is yeah, son, that's his uh, son, yeah. He, he, well, he was listening to the show, uh, when yeah. we first started, whether, whether Dave's yeah. still listening in or not, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jeff, Jeff was probably a veteran then, and I beat him. Jeff was iconic runner, I mean, what a wonderful oh, runner, yeah. you know, but he was, it was nice that, you know, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. was, you know, he was, was, he a little, uh, was it Rome? Olympics? Yeah. Did Jeff go yeah. Home, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. it Commonwealth Games or Olympics or something? Was it Olympics? Can't I remember. I think it was the Olympics because I, I know he's always at the um, the sale uh, 5k. They do an Olympic one every yeah. year. Like an Olympian. Oh, right. Sale always invite yeah. some Olympians. So my mum always gets invited to it and stuff. Yeah. Like, and, and Jeff's always there and stuff. But like I, I, it, it was Jeff. It was, why I mentioned Jeff, it, yeah. was, it was Jeff uh, who, who, who I looked up to. Yeah. You know, when I read running magazines, I seen him yeah, on the Snowden yeah. Marathon. So I'm, so he was like probably a veteran when I beat him, but but he was this iconic runner, you know. So that's why I mentioned him because yeah, to me, yeah. I thought when I read the running magazines, I thought and I found out, I didn't know Jim Jeff was behind me, you know. 
And I thought, oh my God, was this this guy? He's, he he is a running legend for yeah, me, you know. Yeah. Well, he is. Yeah. And uh, and he, and I, I would, he was one of the people who inspired me reading reading yeah, Athletics yeah, yeah. Week and everything. Well, he's won that. He's won this. I mean, if I could have got anywhere near this, near this standard, which I doubt. But what I'm saying is, he was some somebody I I yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I sort of looked up to and, and wanted to get that standard. Yeah. You see, you know. Yeah. So so basically, going back to the shop, I was in the shop and then uh, there was these chaps talking in there. And uh, and I, I, just, I overheard him on about these. They, they recognised me when he Cheshire. And I just got he's Cheshire and Aries runners was. And I got talking to him and, and I was giving him advice and uh, they, well, they was asking me and I was yeah, giving yeah. advice and then that went that went on for quite a while. Yeah. You know these runners would sit every Saturday morning I'd be in there. I used to love going in there on Saturday morning when the Running Review magazine oh, come yeah. out monthly. You know, oh, it was great getting the uh, getting the application forms for races, just looking at him. You know, yeah, should have yeah. do that. Fantastic memories. So eventually, I was approached. Say, well, you know, you've seen you've won this, that, and the other, and would you be interested? And of course, I said, yeah. Well, uh, my ex-wife uh, lived local, and girlfriend at the time, and she wasn't happy with the idea because at this point, I was earning really big money yeah. in this factory job, which was horrendous job, as I say. And I didn't like it. I love the people. Yeah. I've got great memories of it. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic memories and many friends. But as far as my running is concerned, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, was, which is what we're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I could have gone further in my running. So she did. She didn't. She didn't back me up at all. Uh, so uh, eventually, it got to eighty seven, and I started not to enjoy it. It would become a real chore because I had this this carrot dangling, which I couldn't take. Yeah. So, so I thought I've got to, I've got to, you know something's got to give here. So I remember I ran. I wanted to win the Whitchurch ten k because I heard it was a great race. So we entered that and I won that. I broke the course record on that. And then actually I was retiring after that race. If I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, yeah. At 28. It's 28, yeah. And there's a guy called Alan Charnley, a boxer from Warrington. Yeah. He was a friend of mine and he was involved in a, bad, a really accident, a really bad accident, yeah. you know. Now I've raised thousands and thousands of pounds in charity work over the years. Yeah. About 50, over £50,000 I've worked an hour at. I used to do chalice. People come to me, will you do this? Will you raise yeah. money for that? And I did, and he enjoyed that. It was stressful going around collecting the money, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I couldn't say no to people. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So I heard about this accident, and there was a lad called Matthew Daly who worked with me at Richmond's, a bit of a Wallinson character, and a lad called Reno. Wallinson characters, he approached me in work and he said, Derek, he said, if you run this Wallinson half marathon, they did. I hadn't told him I was jacking in, by the way, yeah. but it was just my head. I thought, I've had enough, and I thought, I don't want to run the Wallinson half marathon. Even though we did, I thought, if we finish second, and all that sound, you know, yeah, you, you, yeah. you want to, you don't sound race, yeah, don't you? Yeah. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. So they said, if you don't, if you don't this one and a half, we'll give you the five at each. Well, five at each in 1988 was a lot of money because he wanted to raise a lot of money for yeah, Alan. Yeah. And I knew Alan's wife. She was a very good friend of mine, Julie Conroy. So we did. And uh, I ran the race and I won it. And I literally, uh, I sort of, it wasn't, any runners in the field to challenge me, no disrespect to any runners yeah. in the field, but I just, I knew when the gun went and I was on my own and, and, and I don't sound big headed or anything now, but I literally cruised around it. I just, yeah. I run in like third gear. I, I remember put it, I remember putting it in at about five miles to eight miles for some reason. I thought, well, oh, I'm going to go for the time here, proper time, you know. And then I remember, cause I've got, I, have, I have an habit of doing this. I, it's a bad habit really of, taking my foot off the gas and enjoying what's going on and taking yeah, it in. Yeah. An example, going back to Ellsby, uh, I won the Ellsby Half Marathon in 1985 in one hour and nine minutes. 
which your granddad was in, by the way. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dad made up of that. Yeah. So I'll run the Ellesmere Half Marathon. Uh, and then when we got to 11 mile or something, we had to turn, we come off the Marshland, yeah. you know, and then we turned for the last two mile, whatever. And it was Liverpool, there was a cycling club waiting. Right. And, well, unless it conveniently met me at that point. And we were running, I was running with them. So yeah. I ended up talking about Everton and Graham Sharp. <laughs> when these lads, and they took me foot right off the gas, yeah, I looked behind. Yeah. And that's, that is, it's ridiculous, really. When I look back, I could kick myself because I didn't take it, uh, I took it serious. Yeah. But I just enjoyed it. Yeah. But I would have took it really serious if I could have took it the direction I wanted to take yeah. it. And when you're restricted from your dream, you tend to sort of, Take your foot off the gas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's saying yeah. uh, that. Well, that's how I. That's how I took it. You know, and and that's basically what happened. Yeah, yeah. Have you got any advice then for people who are running and like yourself? You feel like you missed out on on potential uh, focus. Have you got any advice for them? Yeah. Well, really, just uh, getting. You mean as in getting to something else, or well, perhaps to to give everything and focus, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Because yeah. you feel like looking back, yeah. is that some sort of not maybe a regret, but there's a lot of regrets for me because I, I didn't take it serious enough as what I should. I mean, I was saying to Matthew before. I remember one race when I was when I was. <laughs> it's a funny story with Susan, <laughs> your, your mother, uh, relating to that. Uh, I thought I've had enough of this. You know, uh, I'm not going to get anywhere. And this horrible job and the horrible job made me want to get out. I love the people in there, yeah. as I say. So I have a drink. I'm never a big drinker, so I, I thought oh, I'll go out on a Friday night. Before the cross country race, yeah, it's not yeah. a good idea, is it, lads? <laughs> so we did, and I can't drink. I never, I never could set me drink. Uh, and I, I went, uh, I went out with a lad called Stephen Ryan, mate. Yeah. Uh, but God bless him, he passed away. Lovely, lovely man. So uh, I went out drinking with him in Chevy's and Warrington facing cemetery. You know. So we, we went out drinking. I ended up having a few, and having quite a few. About five pints is a few for me them days, lads, you know. So I got in bed. <laughs> Next day, it was Liverpool League cross country. <laughs> it's happened regular. Well, I won't say, uh, before the Cheshire Championships I ran in that and run for Cheshire, I didn't get drunk that night before that. And I wasn't a drinker, don't yeah, you know? Just, yeah. I just, it was the only night I could get out, you see. So it was Friday night and I, nothing. I think it must be a Warrington AC thing because I always remember one of the, uh, one of Phil Hickens' uh, athletes, uh, I remember him coming to the Northern Champs at Shirley Park and he was, <laughs> we, were the, what, we, we were under 20, so we yeah. were just like, and um, yeah, he'd gone out drinking heavy the night before and everyone knew on the start line, he was a favourite for it as well, everyone knew on the Joking. start line, he was, you know, he was he was hungover. And, and how did he get on, I've got to ask. He, uh, I think he got through a lap of it leading and then dropped out of the race sort of thing and it was, uh, but he was, I mean, he, he was went on to internationals and stuff like that. Oh, right, yeah. College over in America and scholarship oh, and stuff oh, like that. Oh, fantastic, yeah. Um, I don't think he... Don't so we got it right. So we runs So we got it right in the end, didn't it? That's the main thing, yeah. But yeah, that race... Well, I never got it right. I never got it right, Matthew. I never got it right. But it did, when I was on the road to getting it right, I had to jack in. But going back to that race, was it might have been on Shirley Park, you know. It's a Liverpool cross-country league race. And I was coming about... I was in the first say 15, something yeah. like that. And I felt awful. I felt really bad. I felt pretty sick of him being honest. And I remember the, 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 the turning point to the finish, uh, the, that straight, somewhere yeah. along there, or the last 100 metres, we turned. And it's a point where you kick in, as you do yeah, in the cross-country yeah, yeah. race, you know. We had no kick. I was just full of lager. So anyway, so, so uh, they all left me. And I remember your mum giving me a rocking after. Yeah. She couldn't understand it. She said, you, you're on the track, you, you, you're doing really well. And you... You know, with Jimmy, your yeah, dad yeah, and everything. 
And I didn't like, I didn't have the heart to tell her they were still pissed, yeah. you know. <laughs> anyway, so I, fin- I finished something like 16th when I should have been, I could have been, but I say should have been, you can never say that. Potentially it would have yeah, been in the first yeah. 10 or whatever, but I usually finish in the first 10, 8th, yeah. 7th, 10th, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I finished 16th in that and, I, and she was really going on at me, your mum. She said, I don't get it, I just don't get this. She said, she said you need to concentrate your speed, but you're on the track and you're running, pretty, you're running grains. And she just couldn't get out of it. I said, Susan, I'm pissed. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I just held it back. She knows now. She knows now, yeah. She laid it now, yeah. We're at the point here where you've now packed it in. You're working on in the factory. Your wife has laid into your base. She said, listen, no more. And you, you've gone, gone as a young man, you perhaps naivety and you've decided to go with that. Yeah. And we're going to go now into, I suppose, everything that's happened after that. Because yeah. you've then, you've gone into perhaps the lowest point of your life. You're going to describe that for us. Oh, yeah. And that, which is oh, important for the listener because there's a, a realisation there that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Because mm-hmm. then you've got all your, your, your spotlight actor, all the things that you've done after that. But we've got to focus now on that very bleak period, if you will. Yeah, yeah, of and, course. And talk about that. Yeah, well, I'm working in the factory uh, my money's not as good as what it was because, as I say, uh, as I said previous, we stopped getting pay rises and and my ex-wife was doing really well. She had a job at Coronado CV. Uh, she's head chef there. She's working with actors. And I'm an actor now. How, how bizarre is that? But I've got to say she's a great mother, by the way. I've got to say she's a fantastic mother, my ex-wife. You know, I really respect her for that. But this is just about my life, you yeah. know, obviously, you know, so... It's just about what happened in my life and the relationship. So uh, things wasn't going well at home, and I, I, I started, obviously I wasn't running. And I remember nineteen eighty eight, I packed in, and the Olympics was on. I'm not saying that I made the Olympics, obviously, but we, I, I could have done really well. And I'm watching the Olympics. Then for Christie, I think on the hundred meters and that, I think I remember rightly. And then I made up with Linford and uh all these things happening and i love seeing people do well i love seeing people get pbs and make it i've always i've never been like one of them bitter about it i love to see people doing well so i was like watching these on the big stage i thought oh, well done lads and girls you're doing great you know they're proud of him yeah. but at the same time in me i felt demoralized you know so at this point i got into jiu-jitsu uh, i got my brow belt in jiu-jitsu and uh, as time went on and that suited me a little bit because I wasn't doing much running then and I was doing a little bit more weights, you know. Uh, and we stopped going out together and and she 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 got promotion where she worked. She she had a she was a very clever girl, which is what I was reminded of, by the way, you know. Uh, uh, she was the breadwinner because she was earning these big wages. My wages had stayed stagnant, stayed the same, you know. So it was, I felt like... Uh, terrible really you know and then the kids come along which was a blessing you know what I mean I've got a great I'm a proud father of two wonderful sons which is what's influenced me to, yeah. to carry on because a lot of people a lot of my friends ended up on the beer yeah, yeah. going with different women and dolly birds I mean that come later don't get me wrong <laughs> but what I did is I thought I've got to I've got to sort my two sons out you know but just prior to that obviously uh I found out she was having an affair. Absolutely demoralised me. I thought, well, could this get any worse? 
my athletics career is up. I mean, it hasn't even started really, yeah. if I'm being honest. I, I, know, I don't class it as an athletics career because to me, it didn't start, yeah. you know. So, so that finished. Uh, when I met her, I was ready to have another boxing fight. Uh, she didn't want me doing that, which is not a big, no big deal, to be honest, because I'd never gone far with my boxing. It was just all right, you know. But basically, it's just another hurdle where things were, were stopped. So I found out she'd have an affair. I eventually confronted about it, you know, she she admitted it. And then I was going back into staying at my dad and mum's house. I was paying CSA £55 a week, which is a lot of money now. It was a lot of money then. And it was just a, an horrible, horrendous time. And my parents were so worried about me, you know. I started, with my, my hair started falling out, which I think suits me now, lads. Look like you, Brenner, <sighs> if you don't mind me saying. So my hair started, but I had mouth ulcers, I had stomach ulcers. I was really, I wasn't in a good place. And of course, and of course, I'm working on the same job. Yeah. So all that was going on and I had no money. You know, I had nothing. I felt nothing. I didn't want to be here, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I didn't want to be alive. I'm being perfectly honest with you now. It was just a horrible, horrendous time. And I'm an happy guy, you can see yeah, that. Yeah. I'm an happy chap. But uh, my mates were all going out in the beer, get out of this. And there was girls coming on to me, you know, just could see it was... I didn't, I didn't want that. I still love my wife, you know. Yeah. I loved her. Even though things wasn't right and she was wasn't probably wasn't right for me. Well wasn't I still loved her. But anyway, that 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 that, that so I, I was living at my parents' house, uh, I found out the CSA was fifty five pounds a week, which absolutely demoralised me. And I remember, I remember at one point I used to have twenty pounds a week to spend. Yeah. That's all I had. She'd controlled all the money. Which I suppose is my fault to be fair. Because I could, I should have done something about that. But I'm an easygoing guy. Just let her control the, the bills and all that. You know. Now I'm, I'm very good with money. Now yeah. I do my own accounts. I've got a few houses and everything. So it's all changed differently. But at the time, I just, I just trusted and let her run the show. So I was saving twenty pound a week. I wasn't going out. Uh, I was saving this. Where could I go? I had nothing. Uh, I just wanted to make sure my two boys were all right. Spend as much time with them. So I remember saving twenty pound a week, and I thought I did it well. Because, you know, I just didn't trust anything. Mm-hmm. And she found, like, 60 quid. She goes, look, you're loaded, you've got this and this, that and the other. She was looking around for clues in case I was doing something, which I wasn't, obviously. I was just demoralised. So I thought, God, I couldn't get any worse, you know. My mum and dad wanted me to move back with them. Uh, and I didn't. I just, I was back in two, back in two. And it was Christmas that same year. That, that was 1996. And it was Christmas... Uh, I was six weeks off my black belt in jiu-jitsu as well. As I say, <laughs> you've got to laugh. Everything has gone wrong, but you've got to laugh, haven't you? So I was six weeks off my black belt. I was going to get my black belt. I'd skip from purple to purple and white. Yeah. Uh, sorry if that sounds beginny, by the way, but I knew I was good. I was good at the judo fighting. Yeah. I was I was winning all my bats-to-bat fights. I was doing... And it, and it was good because my yeah. aggression was coming out in that because yeah. I felt aggressive. I don't mean aggressive outside, but I could use... De-stress. Yeah, I could use that to yeah. a purpose on the mat and I was six weeks off my black belt. They said, did it? Forget brown and white, you're going for your black. Because I remember when I did my brown, I really excelled. I had three back-to-back fights and I won all three against some lads from Lee. Uh, one of them was two stone every minute and I, yeah. I, I, I was really doing well and I thought I was ready for these black belts. And then, of course, I found out she was having an affair and I went like a pussycat. I had to look after my two sons, you know, I thought, they come first. So my black belt went through the window. <laughs> my athletics career had gone through, if you can call it a career, I'd, I'd call it a good stint. My boxing, I'm never going to be a world beater, don't get me wrong, but everything, everything, what I, 
Yeah, yeah, but I should have got my pipe belts. I should have broke 30 minutes for 10k, which was uh, I should have done. I should have done well in athletics. I could have done well in athletics. Everything has stopped. So I thought, this is, does this get any worse? I mean, it's a horrible factory job. My wife's with another fella. I don't even know who he is. And then I moved out. Uh, uh, basically, sorry, going back to Christmas, it was 96. And I, I remember I had 200 pounds saved. And I was quite proud of myself, yeah. lads, you know. I thought, I'm making a start here. I was trying, I was trying. And then I, I went home and uh, my dad said, oh, Derek, CSA, you're going to ring in a bit. And and they did. And he said, uh, you, you know, you need a raise of... One thousand pound or one thousand five. Don't forget, I had no money. I said, "What are you talking about?" And basically, she said, "I'm be paying the bills." Right. At the time, we was I was living at my dad's, which wasn't. I was living back in Sue. Yeah. And I had to pay one and a half thousand pound. I thought, "How do we do?" I, that was it. I just, I just didn't want to. I just thought, "What's all this about?" You know. And all my mates were trying to get me out for drinks, and this there was the one girl who, I didn't want to see girls. I just wanted to concentrate with two boys. So I thought, right, what do we do about this? I thought, I've got to do something about this. So I'm a fighter, you know what I mean? As in life. Yeah. So I went knocking on doors for cash and hand jobs. I'm, I'm 39 at this point, you know. Oh, my ass fell out. <laughs> I've got these mouth ulcers. I've got these stomach ulcers. I used to, I remember on, on going back to that job and this is, this is, well, it's all true, but this is, to this day, I don't know if it's going to affect me, this. And it sounds an awful statement. Mm. But I remember being on, on, the, on this job, on the assembly line, this the worst job on the line. And I remember I'd get the shooting pain building and building and building and then come to a point where it rocked me. And uh, once a day I'd get it where it, I didn't, I was lost it for a couple of seconds. Yeah. That's not good. No, no. That is not good. And to this day, oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. God bless him. I hope he's watching over me now, which he probably will be. That I'm blessed that nothing's happened to me, you know. So, uh, but when it's got long-term effects, who knows? But anyway, I'm in good health, since to be good health. So yeah, so so basically, uh, I just went knocking on knocking on doors for cash and hand jobs, and not to one particular restaurant because there wasn't many in Warrington then at the time. And he said I was too old. Mm. <laughs> he turned me away, Bruce. You swine. His name's Bruce. <laughs> so he turned me away, Bruce. Brucey Bonus turned me away in the first point, you know. <laughs> and I thought what? So uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm watching Warrington Sound at this point because when I packed in athletics, I had to do something as you do. Yeah. So I got into my judo uh, and jujitsu, sorry, but Sawidi was mainly judo. Yeah. And I started watching Warrington Sound. He'd just come up from the Northwest Counties. He'd just come up into Northwest Counties and turned semi pro because I'm an Everton fan, unfortunately, you know, with my dad and family. And uh, Warrington were doing well, and me and my dad to this day still watch him, which is great. So I started watching them, and by this point, and my dad used to buy me two, but I had no money. My dad had buy me a couple of pints. And don't forget, lads, I can't drink, I can't yeah. take it. And uh, he, bought, he bought me two pints and was a bit, little bit merry. Yeah. We get so the phone had rang, my mum was, hey, Derek, someone's rang you. He sounded Chinese. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he was Brucey Bonus, he come good in the end. So anyway, so we answered the, yeah, so we're hanging back. He went, yeah, I can't, I'm going to take him off. Anyway, so he, he, I probably can't take him off, to be honest. Go on, take, take him off, Derek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Derek! Derek! <laughs> I spoke like that. And, uh, he, talk, he asked me if he still interested in, the, in the washing the dishes, which, which the job was. Well, I had no money, lads, you know, so... Let me picture the scene, sorry. You, yeah, sorry, you're completely yeah. bankrupt here. And bankrupt, you, yeah. And you, your two kids... Going through a divorce. The divorce is still well, going... She, yeah. She's now living with another fella, is that right? Or not quite yet? 
Yeah, well, what happened she's was... She's moved another fat and your She's moved kids. him into my house. So, this strange man who I don't even know to be the father to my two that's kids. That's quite important, I think, in this yeah, story. Yeah, not only that, John, right, which destroyed me. I couldn't prove... I told CSA I couldn't prove he was there. He wasn't interested. Yeah. I'm paying £55 a week for the guy to look after my kids. Yeah. He was drinking out of my cup of coffee when I go there. I came conveniently, I think he'd been given the cup yeah. when I turn up, you know. Uh, I know, just can we speak about... I know Geldof did a, a documentary in mm. regards to men's rights within this situation yeah. which still to some extent stands today men who have had their kids taken off them yeah. through no fault of their own in a position where you, you can only see them twice a week some of the fellas you say has moved in we talk about equality for women what about equality for men I as know, well I know but that's very important I mean and he's not is he you know I don't think there is in this, situ- in this particular there's issue there's a situation yeah. I'm not going to name him because he, he might not want me to name him but there's a very 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 close friend of mine who's going through a situation like that now you know yeah. And he's yeah. not seen his, his uh, child, so and, uh, and I really at least feel we for were him. we're highlighting that. Yeah, on the show yeah, today. and it's wrong. The, the, it's wrong. It is wrong. It I is wrong because the kids suffer. You've got to go through the courts and fight, yeah, tooth and nail to see your own, to children. See your own children. How is that? How it's, is that right? Oh, sorry, it's, okay. it's absolutely uh, horrific. I mean, when you know, when I knew that some strange guy was in my some stranger, total stranger, I didn't know, I never seen him. Mm. He's in my house looking at my children, you know. How did that make you feel? Uh, as again, not wanting to be here because I'm, I'm thinking. Well, you were thinking suicide now. I won't say suicide because I'm a strong person, but uh, I never thought I'm going to take my own life. But at the same time, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to be here. So mm. re- I don't know if you can read into very, that. Very, very low. Very black hole. At that, at that very point. black hole, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to be here, but at the same time, you know, you do think of it. I, yeah. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I did think of it. I thought it'd be easier if it wasn't here because I've got nothing. I'm just giving all my money to me to my wife or my, my wages. I'm on a horrible, horrendous job. I don't see my kids enough. Uh, uh, my mum and dad are making my mum and dad very ill, you know. Uh, my mom, my, Affecting your mother and father as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, my dad, my dad didn't know how to cope with it. Bless him. My dad's 84 now. My dad was a prison guard to Rudolph S and Albert Speer. I've got to throw that in. Yeah, let's prison. talk, talk about yeah. that story as well before we forget. That's an yeah. interesting one. Yeah. I just thought to throw that in because my dad would be listening to this. And he, was he was a bodyguard for Rudolf Hess. He was, he was a prison who, guard, a spinal prison. Yeah. yeah. It was right, some man. Hitler's one of his henchmen. Or, yeah, and yeah. Albert Speer, his architect. So my dad was guarding him in Berlin prison. But but yeah, but going back to the story, uh, it, it was just horrendous because I couldn't prove he was there. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying £55. So basically, I'm paying all my money to to me, me ex-wife who's got a fella in there and uh, I had no money I had nothing uh, it was just and we forget about the impact that has not just on you but your mother and father who were in the maybe the retirement perhaps yeah getting there and the, yeah my dad was due uh, beside, uh, about four years later probably, due, probably, dev- due, probably due to that you know <laughs> devastating impact on them yeah. as well well my dad bless him I love my dad so much he's a wonderful father I don't think he knew how to handle it he was a bit how do we deal with my son, you know, even though we're so close because he, he couldn't see the pain he was going through. He could see the pain he was going through, but he didn't know how to handle it. So there was that, and it's, which was stressful for me because my mum was the opposite. My dad had sort of, you're right, Dick, and all that, but he, he, he was a bit too, he didn't like seeing, he was affecting him, my suffering, you know. Have you got any advice for, let's say, a parent like your father who's in the same position today with a son who's going through what you went through right then? What what could, what can they do? Uh, well, everyone's different, aren't they, John? You know, everyone's got different personalities and everyone handles things differently, you know, so... so. What would you have liked from your father then if he could have, you know? He was great, you know, but 
it what it was it wasn't it was the facts with my dad I felt like I, I was putting him under pressure because he did, he was seeing his son going through all his trauma and it was affecting him yeah. you know and he didn't want to handle it that's what I think no yeah. obviously no criticism with my dad because my no, dad's no. the best dad in the world you know yeah. but but the point I'm trying to make Jonathan is my dad was very quiet with it but my mother was the total opposite she wouldn't leave me alone before the point where <laughs> she was a wonderful person before the point where I went working with the Chinese yeah. I couldn't breathe she'd come knocking on my door every night with a cup of coffee and biscuits you know yeah. a bit like you now John here with these you know <laughs> so she, <laughs> but in an healthy more healthy environment you know she'd come knocking on my door with a cup, a cup of coffee and biscuits and and, and want to talk to me all the time and I just wanted to be on my own and yeah. my mum couldn't get that I just listened to sadly I listened to records of what reminded me of my kids and my wife yeah. and and it was uh, a period perhaps what you had to go through a period of depression which you can't long fast period. For, you it's can't four years and you can't fast forward it or can you put in perhaps you can put in place things that can get you through it quicker but it's a period perhaps that you have to go through just my children got me through it got me mm. through it really and and that Hope. was Hope. Hope, yeah, hope and uh, ambition, because I've always, you know, I'm ambitious, so I thought to myself, but of all the things I've achieved in my life, and hopefully we'll achieve more, but if we don't, I'm happy with what I've achieved, but the, the biggest achievement in my life was getting my first house with my two sons and yeah. buying it cash. And this, them, is, this is through this step that you've now taken Yeah. to get yourself out of this black hole. You're now working 80 hours a week, three different jobs. To, well, what it was, John, right, I was working in the factory, which was exhausting. I'd come home at night, I got Brucey bonus to give yeah. me the job at this point, lads, you know. Not only that, uh, the manager of the, the, the shop uh, was a guy who's a very good friend of mine called Ian Sang. He actually ended up being best man at both his weddings. Ian Sang. <laughs> Ian Sang, lovely, lovely chap, yeah. And he's he had doing... a real positive turn in this story. This is where there was light appearing. Yeah. Ian got me all the overtime and everything and I'm forever indebted to him for that and he's doing so well with his life at the moment he's doing amazing and as I say he was the best man at both his weddings which is a major massive massive honour for me uh, but he, I, I needed more money you see because uh, I was on my wages were going in CSA I couldn't save I was working in a takeaway just the weekend uh, the restaurant weekend doing dishes and I went to, when I went Brucey Bonus gave me the job I, I was at Warrington Town I, uh, with my dad, I'd had a couple of pints, and as I say, as I said before, I got a phone call, so I went straight down there, and I wasn't expecting the vision I was going to see, and he says, well, I'll just show you what you've got, you know, you've got to contend with, people are packing in, and you can understand lads wise when you see it, so I walked into the back, and it was a massive, massive, massive row of dishes with all the food stuff, because the waiters and waiters didn't like getting dirty, you know, and they bought many restaurants in Wanderson then. Oh my god, you know. Anyway, I soon worked that beard off, lads, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I did the dishes, and then you'd had the, the customers coming in, so it was on, non, on, non stop. But as poorly as what it was. And you were uh, still working in the factory. Yeah. And you, you were doing factory. all this, and you yeah. were delivering. Well, what happened was, I was working five days a week in the factory, obviously. I was seeing my sons on a Thursday night for two hours, and a Sunday morning for two hours. That's all I could see them, which. Uh, looking back, it, it probably a good thing because it gave me time to save an investment for our future, which is more important. You know, it was like being in prison, really. I felt like I was in prison because I, I had no life, I had nothing. I was just work, work, work. I'd get home from work, the factory job, I'd be exhausted. I'd lie in the bed for... Well, I didn't even lie in the bed. I, I used to... Visions lying on the bed for 10 minutes, but I'd, I'd just go in and put my other shoes on. 
And my dad would shout, Derek, you know, let's get going. <laughs> and then he'd stop me off at Sound Centre yeah. and I'd walk. Eventually, they refused to take me, you know, my dad did, because I looked that poorly. I got pulled up by the police once. Because uh, eventually, uh, sorry, I just, uh, what happened was basically, I was doing the dishes and then they asked me could I drive. And I, me- and I remember the, the owner, the actual manager, the, the, the old establishment saying to me, spell, sh- uh, spell Sheffield, how many F's in Sheffield? Just come up to me like that. I thought, what? I said, two. And he said, right. He said, you've got the job. I said, I want you, you know, I want you delivering meals and all that. He said, get your car here. So I thought, what? I said, what about the dishes? He said, no. He said, you got someone else doing that, and he'll be a young lad, like a punk. Yeah. Uh, he was he was a great lad, don't get me wrong. Anyway, uh, I was delivering meals then, which was great, because I was earning more money, but the dishwashers were packing in. So I come up with this idea, and I was very honest, I found £20 once, he handed that in, and a uh, cheque, and I've always been legit like that, like, you know. Dishwasher packing in, so I had I, I an answer to it. I said, what about if I do the dishes, and deliver the meals, and I stay over and lock up? Uh, and I just you put me meal there. I just get a Chinese meal every night, lads. That was a good point. That was a bonus of the night, you know. So that's what I did. Uh, I ended up locking the shop up, walking home, uh, one o'clock in the morning sometimes, uh, exhausted, getting in, eating my meal on the way home. Of course, when you've been doing all this, your mind's active, as you can imagine. Yeah. So I get in, I lie in bed, and it's seven o'clock in the morning. It's half six. Your mind is a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, I did. Derek again, knocking the door. I'll be up, bang, wash, shave, straight to my audible factory job. Factory. Come home, Chinese factory job. It was like that for three years. And honestly, I'm not exaggerating now. And I, honestly, you know, I really mean spot me out. It was so stressful because uh, I was walking to the, I, I was driving at this point as well. Yeah. And I remember the police pulled me over. <laughs> they pulled me over. They thought I was a druggie. Right. I looked that ill. I did look very ill, you know. And uh he said, what, what are you doing? You know, where are you going? Because them days, hey, I'm not dishing the police, but I'm friends with policemen, but they look a bit more assertive, I thought, yeah. in them days, you know. And they were the old policemen, six foot. Not like now, my size, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they come up, and uh, he had a torch in my hand, didn't he? You know, for when he's driving, to see, winter, to see. And he had this torch in my hand, and bag, and I couldn't sell him. I didn't want to sell him what I was doing, obviously. There's nothing to do with him. And he said, well, you're off, and all that. I said, I do a bit of work, and this, that, and the other type of work you know yeah, yeah. that's how he was yeah and I, I said what's the torch for and then I just said I, 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 helped me, I helped my friend deliver meals and you know I deliver meals myself and and he let me go but uh, I actually got to know this policeman eventually as I do you know yeah, I like yeah. and he actually he actually admitted he, he thought I was uh, I was on drugs yeah. mm. he said you look really ill he says you just see he wasn't right and he, he was on another zone when he was walking down. We thought he was possibly on something, but he wasn't. What he was, he was exhausted, and I was trying to f- build myself up for the stage two of the day, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. really, really was that bad, you know. But did you have in your mind this goal, you, you wanted to buy that house, or a house? Yeah, that was my whole ambition and, from and day your one. your ambition, your goal was, yeah. was I promised me two absolute boys. drive for that. Yeah. yeah. And that was everything. That was everything. That was all. That, no matter what I do in life, I've done I've done a few crazy things, as, as, we, as we're talking about now, and acting and and, uh, and me running and me athletic all the all the things I've done but it, it, the lovely things and lovely achievements but nothing will ever beat that day I walked in the house with my two sons and a boss and a PlayStation with all the games bunk beds in a bedroom TV it was I made their life complete you know you bought and, that house for twenty seven and a half thousand I believe twenty seven and a half yeah it was on thirty five but me being a uh, here's a little bit of a scally element to me obviously you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm an honest person, you know, I've raised, as I said before, 50,000 pound, 50,000 charity work, you know, and I still do. Sharon uh, Bradshaw Trust. You're now the patron of... Patron now, I'm so proud of that. I'm going to do, hopefully... Al- alongside some very famous faces also at the same charity. Yeah, there's, some, there's, there's a lot of famous can... patrons. You've got Frank Bruno, uh, Kerry Katona from Warrington, Steve Arnold off Coronation Street, uh, Nig- Nigel Ashley, Ben, yeah. Ashley, believe, yeah. yeah, Joe Egan, Mike Tyson sparring partner. Joe Egan, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, this uh, quite a few involved in this particular charity. Yeah, and yeah. Charlie Ale, of course, Charlie. Uh, the legendary Charlie, who's a uh, lifelong best friend, a wonderful human being. You know. Let me picture the scene though. You, you've managed through absolute grit and determination to because that, as we as now we know, house prices re- rise dramatically, yeah. but that money was. To, to get that money in such a period of time to great efforts, you know, uh, yeah. wages weren't what they were today, but, you yeah. know, it's a different... Well, I was giving all my di- money away. Um, John, all my money was going to my wife, don't And you were giving And I was paying board at all. Not a lot, but... I was, Picture I was, the scene, though. Yeah. The wife, uh, who becomes the ex-wife, um, she walks into your new abode and she doesn't quite believe what she's seeing when you tell her that this is your house. Well... Yeah, it, what happened was, John, uh, I broke the news to my boys that we got out of our house, which was, as I say, no matter what achieving life, to me, that was the pinnacle of anything, you know, to see my two sons happy and secure. And she, she rang me up, my dad, and she said, why are you lying to my sons? I said, how can you afford a mortgage? I thought, I'm not going to mortgage, I bought it cash. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, I had to throw that in, guys. And, uh, you know, but I couldn't say that, you know, I couldn't say that, I saw that... That was that, and then, uh, of course, she, she walked in uh, when she seen it. She said it was lovely. It's just Terry's house. It's a nice house. It's got a few mannequins in there now, as Jonathan's seen, yeah, you know, yeah. Jasmine and Jack. But anyhow, it's another story. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, it, that, that was that. And then, basically, what happened was, there was an old lady next door to me on the big house next door, actually joining my house. And the front door was ajar quite a lot. She was, she was in the 90s, early 90s, and I was forever shouting her. Uh, I can't remember the name now. And I shouted, if you're watching Coronation Street, she'd turn around and uh, make a jump. And say, your door's open, love, you know. So I'd shut the door and ask permission and the family could have shut the door. And I helped them doing little things, putting the bins out for them. They said, just being a nice neighbour. I, I, I helped the elderly out because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a qualified fitness instructor as well. Really? And yeah. chair-based exercise teacher. So we used to do exercise classes with the elderly in the streets yeah, at one point. Yeah, yeah. You're also a, a litter picker, I believe. Tell us about that. Oh, I'm very proud of that, yeah. Very briefly, tell us yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm a volunteer litter picker with uh, uh, Latchford Litter Pick and uh, Plastic Free Warrington. Is yeah. that once a week or how often do you do that? I, well, because I'm that busy writing at the moment and, and uh, my girlfriend lives in Penkiff, so I spend time there and I'm all over the place. I, 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 I tend to do it on my own, I tend to be a solo litter picker. So you go around picking up letter... Yeah, I do, I do. I do in my in my area. There's a particular alleyway uh, by the Marquis Pub, uh, close to my house. They call it dog shit alley. Excuse the language, but that's what they call it. And I've heard elderly people saying uh, they don't like walking down there because they feel intimidated because of the litter. Mm. And it's a bit of an area where you know wrongdoings go on. Whatever you want to call it that, you know, like wacky backy sales and all right, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm told and I think it is. So basically what I did, uh, it does my head in walking down there. I walk down there and we're shopping from Lidl or Sainsbury's or whatever and you see loads of, in fact I walked down there this morning seeing all the crap so I'll, I'll be I'm due for another visit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking down there and I see all this crap and I thought this is doing my head in this is and I'm so proud. I think people should be proud where they live. 
It's a shame how times have changed. I mean, in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you see people, ladies, cleaning the steps and so proud. And even now with the plastic steps, I know a lady that cleans the plastic step. It's yeah. just, what's gone on? Why, why is times... What, what has gone on? People can't set the stuff to tips like they used to do. And uh, there's a lot of people renting. Uh, I mean, I've got a few properties to rent out myself. They're lovely tenants, by the way. But you get uh, you get some tenants who are not particular, say, and they'll throw the stuff outside because they don't live there. You know, it's a fact. This is what you get sometimes, you know. Uh, it's unfortunate that, but that's, this is what happens. And, and there's nowhere to put it half of the time. They, the the, 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 the dust, being men and all that, they've been men or whatever, they're now, not, through no fault of their own, they can only go down every other week. And it's just an accumulation of things like this, you know. And so basically, uh, I've had enough. I've had enough, lads. I'm getting aggressive here, guys. I've had enough. So anyway... Uh, and it's Latchford Litter... Uh, Latchford Litter, pick your memory rightly. Uh, I might that, have got that wrong, but it's Latchford. Uh, and it's uh, Plastic Free Warrington. Yeah. These are sort of organisations which promote the idea of getting out there yourself. And, yeah. And Paul and, Connor. And making it... Tony Dick Dixon. Liz. These, these are people who are out there two or three times a week. Absolutely iconic people to Warrington. Absolutely. Tony's a doctor. Paul's got... Tony Dixon, Paul Connor's got a great job as well. Liz, has, Liz has a, uh, does a lot of charity work. Uh, and there's many more. I'm sorry for missing people out. But these people are iconic people to Wellington. And you're finding now that people are taking more pride and more people are going out. Because it's a bit... I mean, I've, I've had people make comments to me. I've had people say, well done. It's not about being told well done. I'm not, it's not, I'm not bothered to say well done or not. I'm doing what I feel is the right thing to do. But you can have people, what are you doing that for? You know, you know, yeah. stuff like that. You're getting paid for that. No, I'm not getting paid for it. I'm doing it because I, I keep my area tied, uh, tidy. So that's what I nice. do, I tend to clean my area facing Victoria Park, yeah. where I used to live. Because that's me. That's yeah, my, yeah. I love that, uh, Holland Street and Beecher Street. So I, I tidy around there and then I come back to Howley, better on the other side of the park. I do this Halliway, won't yeah. mention the name again, but next to the Marquis pub, I tidy that and I tidy uh, all my streets and the back streets. Uh, my particular area, I keep on top, and I'm, as I say, after after today's visit, walking yeah. home from work, because I've been on the Dracula shift last night, but right. I, I work with disabled children, as you know, so I've been on the Dracula shift, I've seen it this morning, I thought, oh my, no, this has got to be done again, which it will be anyway, whether it was uh, tidy and untidy, I keep on top of it, you know. Going back to the second property, then the elderly lady, who we, Ethel, or we don't know her name, I can't but, think of a name but now. she, yeah. you ended up purchasing that house as well. Yeah, well, which is right next door. Right next door to where you currently it, it, live. It was my mum. My mum talks more than me, if you can believe that. So basically, <laughs> my mum knew the family, and I was, I was, I was shutting the door for this old lady, putting the bins out, and then uh, I'd said to my mum, my, my dream was to get an house each with two sons. You know, I've got three now, but that's irrelevant. So, that, so I got the third one for my disabled niece all the time. That's why I bought that one. That's another story. But anyway. Uh, basically they said I believe you have another property he said oh yeah you know it was a bit of a shock to me you know and he said uh, think about it how much you can afford and all that and I thought well it needs a new roof it needs this it was he was falling to pieces basically right. In, I mean <clears throat> trying to be respectful here, you yeah. know he needed everything doing to us for me so I offered him 50 grand and he said yeah and so I spent a year doing that up <laughs> <laughs> so I did that up and but uh, it's got, all starting to come together now. Uh, yeah, you've you've yeah. gone through that phase of depression yeah. and things are starting to pick up. What, yeah. what, what year What year are we on here, Derek? We're, we're about that would be 2002 now. 2002. Yeah. 
But I got there's a funny story with that uh, relating to my ex-wife. My ex-wife is a fantastic mother, by the way. Don't get don't me wrong. The, everything I'm saying now is is between uh, what's going on between me and her. But it's, uh, as a person, she's a great mother. You know, I've got to say that. But what happened was, despite what's gone on, you know, uh, um, the two kids have been brought up great and everything. But what happened was, uh, in my in my house, she see my house and. She, she she believed me then she see me in it she thought I was renting it at first and nonsensical things you know not there's anything wrong with that so so uh, she see my house and then a funny story is I was doing my very last job on my house next door which she spent a year doing it I dug all the floors myself took all the floors up took all the plaster off the, off the walls and everything you know and uh, so she come in I'm I'm doing the last job it's a, it's like uh, Lorraine and Phil Sergeant living it now my friends. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful, not tenancy, friends. That's how I class it. Yeah. So they, they, I'm pointing this, like a double chimney breast, but it was an old kitchen. It goes bloody beautiful. Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm not about my work, I'm yeah, not about yeah, the actual, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful site, you know, so I'm doing that. Then he had a voice behind me. Well, that looks nice. I turned around, it's my ex-wife. You know, <laughs> classic moment, guys. <laughs> so she stood there in this pyjamas, but the long coat over it, because she couldn't pick the kids up in the yeah. car. She goes, whose is it? Sod it. I said, it's mine. He said, what do you mean? He started laughing. He said, it's mine. I said, what do you mean? It's yours. I said, I bought it. I bought it virtually cash. Well, that moment was worth everything because her jaw dropped straight to the floor and I just finished the <laughs> job. Comeuppance. Comeuppance, yeah. She got her comeuppance. Yeah. Hey, that was a that was a wonderful moment. That and it, it was, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't I don't want to fast track too much. But there, there, was, there was part two of that as well because my my ex wife's an historian, right. so she watches uh, she's in the Richard the First Society and all that. And me my, my youngest lad who's an historian yeah. as well. So uh, <laughs> I, I I played Thomas Potts on Witch on Century Murder. He yeah. sent all the witches. Well, he, he 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 was a court clerk who yeah. documented all the activities in the court and the witches who got sent to the death bless him in Pendle, you know, and this, that and the other. So, yeah, I was happy with that. I played a pretty good part in that as well and it was, it's like a TV film documentary. It's really, if you've not seen it, it's very good to watch. Well, let's, uh, let's have a look for it. Have you... Yeah, it's called Witch Hunt A Century Murder. Witch murder. Hunt A Century Murder, yeah. A Century Murder. Yeah. And um, if we type that in, we can find that. Oh, you find it's that. A yeah, film you documentary type. Yeah, uh, it's, work. Uh, it's it's really really good. It's part one and two. And part two, I'm being honest, I think it's even better than part one because you get the witch to find the general in that as well, and he, yeah. he was a gruesome fella, chaps, wasn't it? And going back to the comeuppance because yeah, the comeuppance was uh, I played Thomas Potts. Eventually, it's aired on TV. Ex-wife's watching the TV, watching the History channels as they do. Yeah. Well, she does. Next thing, I come on as Thomas Potts. <laughs> I can imagine the reaction. And you know this obviously from your your, uh, your children's. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. They they have uh, interpreted interpreted this this tale and they've passed it on you. You yeah, found yeah. out that you came on their television. Of course, you wouldn't be living there. That's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, she's all snuggled up with fella, you know. And then in my house. In your in house. Me, yeah. And there, there you appear. Thomas, what's his name again? Thomas Potts. <laughs> Thomas Potts was a legendary court clerk. He was actually in court and all for Guy Fox, apparently. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, he dealt with that particular case yeah, as well. Yeah. Let's, um, let's jump back a little bit in terms of, obviously, um, to get to where, where you're talking about, obviously, you've met all these these, these people uh, around the world that we've mentioned all the way through uh, the show today, sort of thing. But um, that all sort of... I suppose it started back in obviously you you got your, your two houses with your boys and everything like that, and but you'd always had a an underlying sort of 
want and, and desire to, to act. Yeah. And yeah. Um, in 2012, you took your first acting class. On my 52nd birthday. Yeah. <laughs> That's inspiration. 52 years 52. of age. 52. Well, I was the oldest one in the class. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and, the, and we'll give a shout out to the Merseyside Academy yeah, of I Drama. I was about to say that, Jonathan. Mad and... and Derek personally inspired me to get down there, and I went down there. Yeah, you did, I did very well. I did, I did a brilliant. course there. I really enjoyed it. It was great fun. I was on a second course, which sadly was yeah, cut short COVID. with the COVID thing. You did very um, well. You did very well. But not only that, Derek, but I really appreciate you inspiring me, and you've inspired many other people yeah. to to because I wouldn't have known about that place only for you, and I yeah. enjoyed it. It was great fun. Tell us about your experience. Well, with... just, can you just go back once about inspiration, but one second, just yeah. what, please, if you don't mind, lads. About this COVID things, about just ending on, on that. Mm. I mean, I do, I do inspire people and all that. And for one minute, uh, I don't want anyone thinking that I'm saying, you know, uh, it's a personal choice and my, my mind might change in time. Who knows? But I respect people, you know, and, and I'm a very respectful person. Mm. And if they're going to have the, have my dad's had, had the vaccination and all that, I'm not one of these people because there's too much of this now. Where oh, he's had it, she's on it. I don't get involved in all that. It's just my personal feeling on it at this moment in time. I've got not. I don't prejudge someone who's having it and someone who's not. It's everyone's their own thing. I hate getting into debates about yeah. about uh, race and all oh, these. Yeah. There's too much of it now, and I just keep myself to myself. And it's just a, it's a personal thing. Yeah. And I don't really talk about this much to many people. I do to you two now on this podcast. Yeah. But it's not something like I go out there and go, oh, you shouldn't be having that and you used that it. And you... I don't. I keep. It's yeah. just a little personal thing. And at this moment in time, at this moment in time, that's just so I feel. But you, it, who knows if it'll change or not, you know. Well, you've just uh, I've brought to my mind, you mentioned you've, you've got a bit of OCD. You don't mind talking yeah, about that, do you? Yeah, yeah. Obsessive, compulsive yeah. sort. Of. Well, people like yourself, and there's many, many people, some people say, I've got OCD, you know. But... For a person like you to be put in a corner, really, and said, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. It's it's understandable to me why so many people are actually rebelling because it's not that maybe it would do you any harm. It's the fact that you're being forced. And, and when when when, there's, when someone's prodding you and, and, and putting you in a corner, yeah. you, you, you kind of, you know, and, and it's perhaps part of your character to yeah. say, well, ask questions. You ask questions and questions. Of course you do, yeah. And you've got to fully comprehend and understand. And the thing that doesn't understand, that I can't understand, is that, in all of this, we're losing the freedom of choice and to be able to make those decisions for ourselves. Yeah. And when you put people, certain characters like ourselves, I think, because we're both on, on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Then you, 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 it's understandable, I think, and that's what you're getting from a part of society which yeah. is unsure. And um, That's it. You've just used the correct words, Jonathan, unsure. I mean, I'm unsure about where to go, where to go. And at this moment in time, I'm, I'm, I'm not having the vaccination because I'm unsure what will happen or, or whatever as I say I don't want to delve too much into that but at this moment I'm just unsure and when you're unsure you don't it's, if some, if some, if someone knocks on your, on, on your front door people selling gas and lecky and all that you get it all the time and there's been times you know I thought hey it sounds good that but I've been unsure I don't say yeah I'm coming I'm signing that yeah. I go home and think about it and that's what I'm doing I mean I think about it process but at the moment in time it's, it's definitely a no thank god we've but got people change. Thank you know, God we've got people like yourself who do ask questions, I'd say, because look what happened in Nazi Germany, you know, when people don't ask questions. And before you know it, you've just got totalitarianism where yeah. everyone's just going through the same funnel and they're not asking questions and it's too late. I yeah. think it's really important that people stand out from the crowd and ask questions. Yeah, and, yeah uh, definitely. You've got my support there. Yeah. Yeah. 
52nd birthday, first acting class. And let's just list some of the successes, by the way, for people who are listening. At 52, that was your first ever yeah, acting class. Beginners, yeah. In Liverpool. Uh, and, and right opposite, very close to um, uh, the C- Catholic Cathedral and what's the other, yeah. the the, uh, the theatre across the road. Yeah, Everyman Theatre. Everyman, very <laughs> opposite the Merseyside Academy of Drama. Big shout out to them. Yeah, definitely. And some of the successes we've got. Becky you, you, Douglas. You, you've got a, a documentary out there called Marvellous... Magnificently Ordinary. Magnificently yeah. Ordinary. Yeah. It's only seven minutes. Award-winning documentary for those who yeah, want to have it. Yeah, he won the Liverpool Film of the Year, Documentary of the Year, which was, I couldn't believe. I was absolutely blown away by that. i just I just come home from Everton and my girlfriend had been on nights and she was shattered, so I didn't even go to it. Uh, Matt Wright's got to give a big shout-out to him. He filmed it. He, he, he was the one who put it all together. I'm meeting him, hopefully, very soon, Mark. He's a great, great guy. Well, I, I didn't go simply because... I sent you going because my, my girlfriend was really tired. She hadn't been sleeping, been watching Everton and everything. And I was a bit worried about her and just putting my key in the front door and all the streets. We give a shout out to uh, your girlfriend, uh, Jackie. Jan- Janice. Janice. Janice who McDonald. You are That's another tr- girlfriend, that. Oh, you're other, you've got a few, yeah, sorry. Got- <laughs> <laughs> Only joking, Jan. <laughs> well, by the way, going back to running, because we, we can jump back and forth. It, the, the one thing that keeps you involved in the sport is the fact that you are actually co- coaching your beloved. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She's an amazing woman. I mean, she works in, uh, she works nights, she's 12-hour nights. She's in her 50s and she's she could train, probably put more mileage in. Obviously, we're working nights. She's got a, st- a stressful job as well where she's lifting on her feet and she's and uh, she, she did a first race in a, a few years ago. She's not been racing that long, really. And she ran 135 for the half marathon. Warrington and, yeah. and she was the first veteran in the Warrington. First veteran, that's a prize in I, itself, I, Of course, it? I won the Warrington half years ago. Mm. So to see my girlfriend come in and win the first veteran was an amazing yeah. feeling. And to see Matthew um, here to win the Warrington half, man, if you don't mind me saying. Third, third in Warrington, I've never won it. Oh, not, not yet, he's, he's, he's not. Oh, Did he get 67 though? Yeah. Yeah, same yeah, time yeah. as me then, yeah. Well, you, you're going to win that though, mate. That's just, wait, that's just waiting to happen, that is, yeah. Fingers well, crossed, and your lady friend, the Saint, which he has won the Saint Anne's Ten K, three yeah. years on the bounce. Although you lot, you didn't win the virtual one this year. They had a virtual yeah, race. Didn't, didn't, didn't do it. Didn't do it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Janice won the Saint Anne's Ten K. She did. Yeah. First festival. Yeah. 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 And now we're going to go back to the story. Fifty-two first lesson, and we're just going to list those successes before we forget. Let's list those acting successes from the age of fifty-two. You don't mind how old are you now, Derek? 61 now. 61, so yeah. nine year span since you've got involved in this sport, yeah. acting, performance, which is part of life really, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Life is, a, is what did Elvis say? The world's a stage and yeah, we all have yeah. a part to play. I don't know if he, he coined that himself, did he? I'm not sure, but it's a great saying. Yeah. And the world is a stage and it's, I, I feel myself, that's part of life, isn't it? But performance itself is a discipline and you've been... Within a short space of time, you've been very successful. Can we list those successes? Um, you know them off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically what happened was I'd, I'd come to a point where I got three houses for my children and I thought, what do I want to do in my life? And I thought, I've always, you know, I have a secret d- desire to do something, you know. And you've always had that. Always. Now, we're, where are we? Where are oh, we? the acting. Uh, 52, the, is that where we are? 50, 52, 52nd birthday, went to Merseyside Academy Drama. Yeah, because you mentioned, obviously, you'd written that journal at school yeah, this is yeah. where it all really yeah, started yeah. But yeah. so I, I, I had this desire to go I thought I've got my properties for my children 
thought, what do I do now? My life, I've always been, my life's been a bit like David Bowie's. We're not sex, sex, not as successful, but changing all the time and doing different things. thought you were going to say not as much sex. <laughs> well, well, there was a bit of that in my day, you know, but anyway, but that's, that's calmed down a bit now these days, but uh, there you go. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so what happened was, uh, yeah, uh, I went to Moose Academy Drama, I went to the beginner's class and then Douglas, you met, he's a lovely fella. He, he he pulled me to one side after the first stage play. Uh, Douglas, I keep forgetting his name. The, the, great guy. The yeah. older gentleman the who older generally gentleman, opens yeah. the door. Oh, I kept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a lovely man. Yeah. I'm hoping to have a couple of sessions with with Douglas. We 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 yeah. organised that. I couldn't think of his bloody name. Yeah, yeah. He, he, Douglas uh, was on Coronation Street in the sixties. He was. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, the person in charge, Becky. Becky, yeah. Becky, Fantastic. what's her second name? Oh, We're giving her a shout out. Yeah, Be- I can't think of Becky's second well, name. Well, they'll find that place. If people are interested, they'll find it. M- M- yeah, M-A-D. M- well, Moosan Mad. Mad, Academy Drama is on Hope Street. When I started going, this was meant to be, guys, it was on Vernon Street. Oh, hey, hey, that's a... Next sign. to the Vernon Arms. Yeah. Can you get any better than that, yeah? And then it, <laughs> then it moved to Hope Street, so it was meant to be. So, yeah, I went to beginner's class there, and uh, I was the only oldie in the class if you like on my 52nd birthday and he was asking you know why people beginners why they starting and all that what's your history what have you done and I told him what, what my crazy life you know he was quite impressed but Duncan's very reserved and very you know how he is uh, and then and then he, he pulled me someone where well, we did stage play uh, and I, I think he really excelled in it so apparently he did and he, I went up to the next level and, and I just got grew more confident and he started coming really together and I, I it started going really well so we did I went up the pyramid the Merseyside Academy Drama Pyramid when you get to advanced acting that's a pinnacle yeah. I got to that and I did I started doing really good you know like you know advanced acting stage plays so I remember one we, we should have done we should have done I did it quite a few it should have been at the uh, Lansing Theatre in Liverpool by, by the docks and all that but the theatre had shut down for that particular period because the lecky was out the lecky had gone down so they decided to do it in, in the uh, Pilgrim pub, which is round the corner. From... I know the Pilgrim, yeah. yeah. I've done uh, the... Well, us three going to have to go there soon, right away. Yeah. We've got to go there soon. Yeah. On my little Beatles tour, you yeah. know. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, the Pilgrim pub is, uh, pub is on the corner from the Yee Crack, which is where John Lennon used to go drinking. And, really, and, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what well, he did, Silla in there, the Silla scene, didn't they? In the Yee Crack, you know, Sheridan and Smith. So it's because of the Beatles connection. So basically, it was upstairs. Now, he did warn us. He said, he said when you're doing this play, he says, you're above a pub, it's going to be noisy. So it's a challenge. And you'll probably get people coming back halfway through your play. But yeah. packed a beer, they were watching it, spectators. So I was on, I was I was uh, the last act. Me, me and uh, a girl called Jan, she was great, she was. And so we did this play. So sure enough, we did it. And, and uh, halfway through the play, people come walking through with pints. Very different. <laughs> Shyly going past you like, you know, and... And been told it was exceptional, you know. And I, you know, you just know you've yeah. it's gone really well. I felt I was really happy with that. And the next day, I played Thomas Potts on Channel Four. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was actually the next day. Yeah, so I was on quite a high. How did you get that particular gig? Quite fortunate, really, because what happened was they rung up Moose Academy's Academy Ram and he was asking for anyone who was excelling. You know, course, yeah. So I was, yeah. I was excelling, and and uh, and I put my name forward for it. And he rang me up and he interviewed me over the phone. I thought it was on my mates at first, second and Mickey. It was a really? French guy who rang me from Channel 4, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was I said, ah, yeah. I said, it's you, Mark, innit? I said, yeah, yeah. And it's a French guy. And he goes, uh, 
And he, and he, and he, and he realised he was. I, thought, oh. I said, oh, I'm really sorry, yeah. And he said, are you, are you really seriously interested in this part? So I said, of course I am, you know. And he said, he, he said he'd done a bit of background work on me and my plays and everything. So he said, because you're playing, a, you know, one of the main characters here, like, you know. I didn't speak in it because Thomas Potts didn't speak. He was caught yeah. clerk. He said, uh, off my facial expressions, I got it mainly because he, he was all the... What is it to be the court clerk? I don't know. Documenting all the evidence in oh, court. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah course, so we yeah. documented all the witches and I bet yeah. some wonderful people there. So I'm documenting, I react to what's being said in courts, you know. Mm, yeah, facial expressions. Facial expressions, yeah. Well, which really is, important. Which, yeah. which uh, I've been told I've got, you know, I, I react really good with facial expressions. So, so yeah, so it went really well. So it, it, it's, it did well on TV and yeah, and that, and that was it. So we did that and, it, and then, then it was in a film called Hitman for I with Mark Wright. And he got to, he got together a fantastic array of Liverpool actors and Liverpool area actors, you know. Uh, yeah, Michael Trainer, uh, my very very close friend. I ended up renewing renewing as a registered minister his mum and dad's wedding vows. <laughs> yeah, which is for you. You are a, a minister. Yeah, of, of minister, the faith. Yeah, and yeah. Why we've mentioned it, you must tell us how you became that. Why why did you decide? De- what made you decide to become a minister? Well, to, be, to be honest with you, John, it, it was to do with Michael Trainer. Coincidentally, again, right. because his mother's a fantastic, wonderful lady, you know, yeah. and a fellow Ian. So uh, they, they re- renew the vows every five years, and the, the, the time before that was in Memphis. Elvis, big Elvis fans, and I was going round for these dinners and meeting, and living in a lovely house, a, a lovely area, and then she just said to me, would you be interested? We'd like you to renew our vows. I mean, what an honour that is. Yeah. It's such a fantastic family. And Michael's doing so well acting, which is disgusting. In Spain at the moment, I believe. Yeah, Michael was Liverpool born, but he, he was back in two. He, was, he's, he had a... Ex-boxer. Uh, yeah, he's a professional licensed boxing coach. Uh, this is very emotional for me saying this now. I was so proud of him. I'll tell you the story now. You won't mind. Please do. Please do. I've got to relay this story about our oh, mate Michael. Um, yeah, did. If you if you watch my show, you'll see a bit of a sketch on it as well. This big guy comes walking into Merseyside Academy drama. When you see Michael, he's he's in lots of things now. I've he's, met Michael, and he's he looks. The, of course, you have. He yeah. looks, Sorry, you have. Yeah. He looks like yeah. I don't know. Um, he's he just play, he play a great gangster. Maybe he's just, or he's just been in Villains on Netflix yeah. with, with Craig Fairbrass. You know, who's a massive actor. Uh, that's the foot soldiers, EastEnders, all that. He's he's just on the scene with uh, a chap of Pulp Fiction. What's his name now? I can't think of his name. Sorry, Michael, can't think of his name. Matthew might know. You're a big film buff, aren't you? Pulp Fiction, the, 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 the one in the cafe at the beginning, the cafe scene. I know his name, it's just, it's just a me. It's okay. And it's it, okay. it ends with a cafe scene, begins and ends with a cafe scene. And then they, they hold it up. Yeah, I just can't, I, can't, I can't think of other, anyone other than the two that you... Tim Roth. Fair, Tim Roth. Oh, Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. Yeah. Come to me. Yeah, Mike, got it right in the end. So anyway, so so what happens is uh, he's, he's doing all these... And now, because he speaks fluent Spanish, yeah. he's uh, Rock Salt. Rock Again, Salt, your brother, Rock Salt. My brother, Rock Salt. We get, oh, if I talk about Rock, we'll be here all day. You know, we will. Uh, Charlie Rock and Michael, uh, three very important people in my life. So, so basically what happened is Rock had a, uh, Rock Salts had connections in Spain. Michael is, speaks fluent Spanish because he's back in two there. And he's virtually brought us up there, back yeah. in Liverpool, Spain. He's now on the biggest soap in Spain. 
He's now making big major films in Spain. He's been in five five pages on him in magazines. I'm so proud of this man. Uh, I get very emotional talking about mm-hmm. him and Rock as well because how well they're doing. Rock is uh, going through doors in America, writing a western called Miss Harper and Cole, which is going to be a series and it's being looked at seriously in America now with with producers and uh, and everything and. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm doing quite well. I'm quite happy. But these two guys, uh, I've seen other people who are yeah. successful, you know, and talk about success. These are amazing. But but getting back to Michael, most of the academy is Rama, and we're on an intermediate class. So you're both on the same course. Well, he comes walking in. I didn't know him, right. and he comes walking in. This big chap who looks uh, look a bit intimidating, Mike. If you don't mind me saying. So he comes walking <laughs> in. Nicest guy you could ever meet, though. He comes walking in, and he nods his head. Well, when you see Michael, you nod your head back, yeah. you know. So I nodded back at him, but you know me, I'm a little scary. I say as it is. And he sat down, and, I, and I, where are you from? And he sat in the other room and talking. He said, what, he what a wonderful human being he is, though. And we're talking and all that. And then he was talking about boxing. So I had a few boxing fights, my brown belt and jiu-jitsu and all this. And, and then, how, how's it tra- going your training? This is, this is absolutely true. It's an amazing story. Uh, in being my autobiography, it would be the right one, you know. Yeah. So he sat there and he said, Ah, oh, yes, I'm doing doing all right. Strange's going well, sparring's going well. He said, But I was with this girl the weekend, lad. He said, Well, you want to see her? And you know, this, that, and the other. He said, and He said, I've been on there, I've been watching Everton, another Everton fan, watching Everton. He said, You know, glad he says, and, and this was going on for a few weeks. And yeah. I was hearing this same thing. Now, I, I'm like you guys, discipline athlete, yeah. Michael is now. Yeah. Then he was a little bit finding his feet with with it all you know but boy did he find his feet and I've had an influence on that you'll yeah. say it yourself which I'm proud to say but he did it he, was, he did it though let's get it yeah. right so we sat there after about a few weeks I said do you want to be a loser when you see him you know you think yeah. you wouldn't even, even look at him now I say that he went what I said do you want to be a loser I said I said you're coming in every week you're out in the bay bladded you're going with this and going that I said you're not training every day you're training three of them days a week. You, you, you're recovering all worse than effects. And he looks at me. I said, you're right. He said, driving home, he was thinking about killing me. But anyway, he was on the way home then, so I was lucky. So, 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 so we did. He stopped drinking. He, he, was, he fought for the white-coloured cycle in Liverpool. Bloody won it. And I was there. I, in fact, he couldn't get his belt back. I was that happy. He had to find me with a belt. <laughs> I had his belt and I won't give it back. So he, he won the he won the white colour championship in Liverpool, and then he fought for the British title and he got a draw, but he should have won because he. I, th- I think he, I'm not sure if it's a gypsy audience or something. Nothing against gypsies, are great, but I'm not sure what happened. I think he should have won, but they, they gave the decision a draw. So we drew, yeah. drew the British champion. And then he got his professional boxing license, and he was doing great. But the first film we did, we'd done everything together really. Uh, I'll get back to the, the minister in a minute, sorry. So, That's okay. <laughs> so what happened was, uh, the first feature film we did was a, a low-budget film called Hitman for Hire by um, legendary Matt Wright, who did a doc- documentary on me. And Mike, it don't, it, it's funny when you think about it now, because Michael's, I'm doing pretty well, obviously, but Michael's doing amazing. And he's asking me, he wants to get in this film. Yeah. Mike is on these big, massive He's going to get massive awards, Mike. He's going to go all the way. So I thought, you know me, I, I get me. But he deserved it because he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. So of course, he played the hard man in the film, this comedy. He's, the, the film's about, uh, if you've ever seen it, it's, it's hilarious. 
it's a mockumentary, you know. Right. And basically, what happens is, is this it man Fridays where if I wanted to kill my ex-wife, sorry about this, but I'm bringing her into it. <laughs> if I wanted to kill my ex-wife. You can, if you do it through an agency it's legal but you can't go out and kill them any other way right. so Hitman for Eyes a company you know? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously and I, I play this character and I hire these people you know to, oh, do, yeah. to do the work yeah. yeah but there's a sister company as well called Kill For You right and I'm rivals for Kill For You right. yeah it's, it's, it's funny and yeah. this is a film that we, we can Hitman for Hire yeah you can get it we yeah, go, and, it's, we go it's, and watch it's, this it's, it's a mockumentary so you've seen it live most of it's live Mockumentary, I've never heard that word. Mockumentary is like a film, but you see me looking at the camera. In fact, you'll see my facial expressions on it because it's times I'm looking at the camera and I'm I'm shaking my head and this, that, and the other. So it's, it's, uh, it's most of it is film live, you know. Right, I'll see what you mean, yeah. It's, 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 to be be fair, it's, 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 and it's filmed on Victoria Park as well. Hang on a minute, when you say live, I mean, it's it's always going to be live, isn't it? But there is a difference there, a subtle difference. Yeah, but I mean, like, the the film is seen and, like he's one of them, Tommy Jones, who's a professional boxer who lives on the world. Great, another great character, great actor. Best, he's best friends with uh, John H. Trace. He was a former world champion. That's mm. his best friend. Cracking fella, Tommy. He's walking up the stairs with me in the uh, on the world in uh, I forget the name of the place, but yeah, the camera's facing him, and he goes, "All right, to the camera, you know." And I admire the camera, you know what I mean. So it's 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 really it's really funny. Yeah, when you see it, John, uh, John yeah, you, you'll yeah. understand where I'm coming from. So anyway, Michael wanted to be in it, and I asked Mark. I said, "We've got a perfect guy for this." And uh, anyway, uh, Mark never told me at first. He kept his cards to his chest for the day or two, and then and then he, Mike was in it, and he, he oh, when he sees his role, he, me and him are together in it as well. We're in that absolutely iconic comical scene together, and uh, Rachel uh, Rosie McEwen's in it. He was in Evita with me. Beautiful lady, fantastic actress. I've done stage plays with Rachel. Uh, who else? It was Noel Ross, Debbie Judich. There was, there was loads. Acting seems to have given you a, a euphoria, a feeling, a buzz. Pam Ashton. Sorry, that's what I'm thinking of as well, yeah. A buzz greater than running or different? Yeah, well, well different. I mean, as good as running... As good as running, definitely. Greater than running, some respect. Yeah. But if I could have gone down the route I wanted to do, we're running, if I could have took it yeah. in, a, in a healthy environment, because I wasn't in a healthy environment, what was going on in my life, you know, it would have been it'd have been no different because I absolutely love my athletics. So if I'd have been running in a healthy environment, say say working for our Matthew in his shop or something like yeah. that, you know, something like yeah. that, something what I love doing and more laid back and, and you're in, in control of your life. Having the right people around you. Having the you. right people around you and being in yeah. control. When I was running, I was not in control of anything. Mm. I was paying this big mortgage, I had no money, I was working uh, very hard, I was, I was I was shattered. I didn't really, I enjoyed the winning the races, that's always a great feeling. When I won the one in St. Half, when I won the Ellsby half, uh, there, there was one particular race won the Bollington 9 that was probably my best win because Bashirushin turned up for that he won the Manchester Marathon two years in a row yeah no Bashirushin yeah, yeah it's he's, only he's, he's out um, I remember rightly he's out in Ireland now working as the one of the head coaches oh uh, is it with well, the yeah with Irish well, Irish well Tony O'Kelly you know Tony O'Kelly yeah yeah well he, he, he was he won the Ailes being 65 yeah. uh, he, he was he's uh, sorry distracting a story uh John, but yeah, a funny story about running. It's I was there with my girlfriend, and all these athletes were turning up. You know, there was Tony O'Kell, there was Basher, 
uh, many more. Mike Higginbottom, what you were doing? Is it Mike Higginbottom? Anyway, they were all turning up, and I thought, bloody hell, you know, uh, finishing the first yeah. three in here, and then I won the race, you know. Yeah. I actually won the race, yeah. I kicked in in the last mile, and nine mile and 45 minutes, and it was a very early course, you can imagine. Yeah. So that, that was a good feeling. Going back to stage, uh, I was only Vita, 30 performances with that. Uh, was it 28.30, which was absolutely fantastic experience. A Vita, the opera? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Marty Pello from Wet, Wet, Wet. I was on stage with him, which was... Treading the boards with him was just amazing, you know. I was various characters in that. I played a priest, I played a peasant. Uh, I played... Uh, I was even dancing in one scene, you know. Dancing in two scenes, actually, and I can't bloody dance. But I got away with it. So, yeah, so, so that was really good. We did the Liverpool Empire Theatre. We did it, and then we went to the Lowry, and then we finished at the Palace Theatre. Now, when we finished at the Palace Theatre, I got very friend, friendly with the Jewish Jewish theatre, what, what they were doing, you know. And unbelievably, I was invited to the Anne Frank play. So I went to see the Anne Frank play and I took my girlfriend, I took my son, and took my sister, Carol. So we went there and we watched the play, which is obviously, you know, you can imagine what that was like. It was... It was fantastically acted, but it was very emotional, especially the ending. Oh, it was, un- it was unbelievable. And there was an old guy sat next to me, and he was pretty bad on his feet, so I got him a coffee in the interval, and he said thank you, and he, you know, he's struggling, get up. And Shelley Cooking Braxton, who's a friend of mine, from Liverpool, but she's married to uh, Les, uh, and they live in Presswich, she told me that it was a, a surprise at the end of the play, you know. I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be, if I remember rightly. So we watched the play, and then she came out, Shelley, she gave a speech. And we were all sat there watching it, obviously. And she said, will all the Holocaust survivors stand up, please? This old chap next to me just bought the coffee for stood up. Mm. Um, I couldn't believe it. So it was a, it was a Jewish audience, basically, mm. you know. So we stood up, and uh, and they all sat down. There's about, remember right, there's about 20 people in the audience. And then she said, and we've got uh, Anne Frank's stepsister to come out and give a speech. I couldn't believe it. So Eva Slosh, uh, who was Anne Frank's stepsister, amazing story how she became a stepsister. And I heard it from the horse's mouth, what happened at Alpsvich. And uh, I could be here a long time telling you about what she was telling me, but it's very, very interesting. And I was lucky enough to have a coffee with her after. And we had a brief chat. And uh, she signed the programme to me, but she signed my name wrong, Derek. Yeah. You know, because there's about three different versions yeah. of Derek, isn't there? There's only one Derek, though, guys, you know <laughs> that. But there's three different versions of how you write it. <laughs> Joking there, by the way. So anyway, she spelled it D-E-R-R-I-C-K. So I felt embarrassed in prompting her, you know. So Shelley knew she spelled it wrong, and she still... But I think that's uh, unique to have it spelled yeah. wrong by you, you know. So what she did, she signed a book for me. Yeah, for, for, for everyone there really wanted a book signing and she sat, the books were signed for us but she didn't have enough books for for us I remember right there's a few people wanted it so uh, we met at Callan's Max and Spencer uh, Max and Spencer at Callan's yeah right. and uh, met Shelley there actually and she signed the book Shelley Cooking Braxton right. and, and she handed the book over to us uh, there signed by Eva Slosh her story you know uh, so I got I got the book signed for family, the the, people, the family members were there, and I had a lovely conversation with her, and quite unbelievably, to hear it, to hear it from her about Outswitch, about her relationship with Anne Frank, and what Anne was like, yeah. and what she did, 
was quite unbelievable, as you can imagine. Yeah. I was very, very honoured. So we, so we. And Frank, by the way, for the listeners who perhaps were unsure, um, during that period of, uh, tell us about that. It was, it was a factory, was it? It was stayed in the in the top of the. Yeah, well, uh, basically, what happened to, to to make to give a quick synopsis on it? What happened with Anne Frank was uh, the also Frank the father. He he was a successful businessman in Frankfurt. The the Nazi Germany took place, as we all know, and he was fortunate enough to get out at this point. So he took his to Amsterdam, and this is where they met the Swash family. Lived on the corner, and when he went to Amsterdam, he didn't. He'd had most of his money taken, but he had enough money to, if I'm if I'm correct on this one, to, to well, he had, and he, I know he joined partnership with two other guys. So we did the the part on this company, you know. So uh, then Nazi Germany. Went into Holland, as we know, uh, and and they went into hiding above the factory. But before that, the uh, whole family, the whole family, were yeah, yeah, and Jewish family, Jewish family, and Frank in this the top of this hideaway yeah. in the hideaway, in the factory. yeah, and a few close friends and a few family members. But what happened was uh, when they went to Germany, Anne would go around to Eva's house. They were just friends. And went around to, I think... She, uh, and Eva is the person who you met. Yeah, yeah, course, yeah. become the stepsister. So what happened was that Anne went around there and was very close friends. I think Eva had a brother and she, she liked to Eva, uh, liked her brother and she used to be dancing and singing. She said she was going to be famous one day, you know, and this, that and the other. She's a real lively character. Yeah. And they all become very, very close friends. Of course, Hitler, Hitler, put, Hitler put his foot in there and ruined everything. They ended up at Auschwitz. And uh, he was, uh, he was segregated the men and the women, and Otto Frank actually found out that uh, his wife was dead by a shout across the fence from Evie, you know, uh, which you can imagine was horrific. From from Evie. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And after the war, they went back. Uh, obviously, a lot's gone on. There's a lot of stories could tell you there, but just abbreviate it. After the war, he went back and went back to the factory. And the books, when the Germans had raided the, the room and, and arrested them all, uh, there was this paperwork in diaries, you know, diary all and loads of paperwork, and they were thrown after the Germans had ransacked it, remember rightly, by a young lady thrown in the cupboard out of the way so they couldn't burn it or whatever. And then when Otto went back after the war, he was reunited with his paperwork, which he hadn't even seen, and he read it, and uh, the two guys who looked after him were there as well, which is really nice. Everyone was dead. There was only Otto alive from the, the, the Frank family. Eva Sloss's mother was alive, and Eva was obviously alive. Uh, everyone else was was dead. So uh, Otto went round, reunited the friendship, became very friendly with Eva's mother. Otto married Eva's mother. And at that point, Eva became Anne Frank's stepsister. Amazing, and Anne Frank. Yeah. By the way, these journals were written by a a young, 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 young thirteen. She was thirteen. Was she? Twelve, thirteen. Yeah. She well, kept a diary, basically. Kept a diary, yeah. Of her time in this place, Amazing. sadly before her her death, yeah. and it was kept for a couple of years. Maybe I'm not yeah. sure exactly. Well, she died. I think it was forty. Was it nineteen forty four in Auschwitz? Mm. Yeah, and uh, towards you know probably towards the end of the war. Yeah. yeah. So he would have been reunited also with him died is 
and within uh, 12 months you know off the back of that of course we've got books and all sorts haven't we yeah, uh, yeah. films I think and, well yeah and as I say I've got yeah. Eva's she signed the books to me you know book, yeah. and I had a lovely conversation with her yeah uh, amazing Derek, amazing, Derek, lady. Derek, amazing lady Derek now tell us about what's going on currently with you in regards to performance spotlight actor tell us about that some of the things that you've been in Eleven The Rage Hollyoaks Reverend and Mrs. Simpson, uh, Metropolis 2020, was that released last year? Or? Uh, part one has, oh, uh, part one has, has been released. Well, not actually released, we've seen it, and, and Peterson C is doing part two at the moment, finishing that, you know. Tell, about, tell us about some of the highlights of this, if you will. Yeah, well, what, what's happening at the moment, I'm, I'm, because of COVID, everyone's, yeah. everything's on hold. Well, I'm in, I'm in a Reverend and Mrs. Simpson, which has got Julian Glover, CBE, CBE actually was in Quatermass, Game of Thrones, uh, Star Wars. Isla Blair, who's his wife, was in my favourite Hammer Horror film, Taste of the Dracula with Christopher Lee, been in many other things, obviously. Stephen Billington had a brave art, Coronation Street, Resident Evil, many other things, and a few a few BAFTA winning lady actresses as well. And my friend, uh, my friend, I can never pronounce the name, name right. Excuse me, Anna, for this. She's from Germany. Anna, Anna Schillers is it. I never pronounce it right. She's an absolutely fantastic actress and a wonderful lady. She was in 11 with me, the, the war film 11. So, that was 2018, that particular film. Yeah. Which did really well. Yeah. I, I, but this one here, this is done by Richard D. Roberts, written by Richard D. Roberts and directed by Richard as well. And uh, uh, this is Redmond Mrs. Simpson. And it looks absolutely amazing. Richard has done a fantastic job of it. I cannot wait for its release. It'll be released up, uh, this year, you know. Uh, Richard was also my sergeant with me in the film Eleven, which is written by Rock Salt. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I've got a lovely couple parts in Redmond, Mrs. Simpson, and I'm very honoured because I'm, I'm in a lovely, iconic scene. You know, I've not got many lines in it, but I'm in it all the way through. But I'm in it with this really good cast, so I'm very honoured. But uh, going back to Eleven, briefly, I mean, Eleven was written by Rock Salts, uh, the legendary Rock Salt, may I say. Your, your very good brother. My brother, yeah. He's uh, so proud of this, so proud. He's just one of the most, he's so humble, such a wonderful human being, you know, and he's so talented. He's also a great actor, I had. So Rock has uh, wrote Eleven, uh, uh, the, it, it was quite successful. It's out on DVD in America. Mm. It was on Amazon Prime, Sky Digital. He got a good cast in that. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Stone Fewings, who was out of the bill, and this, that, the other. Uh, Sean Cronin has been in James Bond and Mission Impossible. Uh, Lucy Benjamin, out of EastEnders, she was in it. And get this, guys, this is an interesting one. Uh, Serena's the name, Taylor, excuse me, Serena got it wrong. You always get her name bloody wrong. But... Th- she was uh, Roger Taylor's wife, Alta's mm. Queen. She's a theatre actress. Mm. She was in it as well. Uh, Sabrina Serena. Sorry if I got it wrong. But anyway, she's in it as well. Uh, that is a fantastic film. Now, Rock is writing uh, a Western now called Miss Harper and Co. It's almost finished. And it's attracted big interest. And I can't say much more than that. But it's I've got a feeling it's going to be big because it's going through big doors. And he's got a company called Hallett. Uh H A L I C E. Rock can pronounce it better than me. <laughs> so, so anyway, Allies is it? Allies Vintage, yeah, that's the one. So I've got shares in the company, and I'm uh, involved with the company, obviously. You know, as an actor and a writer, 
And me and Rock are, are working on a feature film together at the moment. I'm a co-writer. Can you tell uh, us a bit about that, or is it hush hush at the moment? I, I was going to say it's a, it's a it's basically a vampire film, and it's set in the 1920s. Yeah, and you die in it, John. I've, oh. I've written a scene where you oh. get killed. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, <laughs> so we've written this vampire film. I'm actually writing more scenes for at the moment. Uh, we've got really big plans. Well, I should have said Rock's got big plans. He, is this going to be filmed in Warrington, some of this, perhaps? No, this is going to be filmed in Midlands, this one, John. Midlands, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, we've got fantastic vision for it. Uh, uh, it's the film company which Rock is and his brother... Uh, Richard, amazing fella. I'd, I put him together. He's looking very, very promising. We've all already done a music video, which for Gypsy Pisserano. Some of um, yeah. David Bowie's uh, former band members, perhaps, have, have been a, a part of this particular piece of music. Is that uh, right? Is that right? Not for that particular I'm one. Sorry. Yeah, that's the one. I'm 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 also writing a film. We've written it two years now called, called Zoe. Zoe, uh, that's yeah. Zoe. Sorry, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I feel it's coming together really well, but at the moment I've put it to one side because I'm writing more for the vampire film yeah. with Rock. But I'm really excited about my film. I'll give you a, the monologue coming here, didn't you? You did, yeah. There, yeah. And I'm sworn to secrecy sworn, on, yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah three-minute monologue, yeah. I, um, I'm, I don't watch horror films. They keep me up, you know, and I have nightmares. But having said that, that monologue was delivered with such a passion and an intrigue. And it, I'm... Uh, since you're going to be starring, well, well, we see where you've written it. We, yeah. we must get when we. Oh, we're you're hoping. in it. You're both in it. No, seriously. I was joking before about you being murdered in, in the vampire film, but this actual film, <laughs> there's a scene with, with a group of runners and Matthews in it, and yeah, well, John Joe's in it as well. Yeah, we're looking forward to. Oh, that's about a doubt. You, you penciled yeah. in, definitely. Yeah. We can't wait. Can't yeah. wait for that. Would that be a Wallinson-based film? That's me. Me ambition is. Uh, uh, I, I mean, that's Zoe. Just for clarification, that's the film Zoe. Yeah, the film's called Zoe. My ambition, my ambitions in life was to uh, to get a roof over me and my two children, which is nothing I've ever beat that, as I've already stated. Uh, is to win the one and a half marathon. Uh, I always wanted to do that. I won the one and film with the with a documentary that was just come along as it does in, as it did in life. And now I'd like. I mean, everyone's got the only ambitions, and it might not happen, but. My ambition is to make to be the first guy from Wellington to to Wellington based feature film, but with the exception of John Lennon's uh, Stuart Sutcliffe's house and, and Brian Epstein's houses, which I've got in the film already. Yeah, so so but basically the film is a, is a dark. I'd say thriller more than anything, but it's got a, a very very emotional twist, which 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 will cater for everyone. Then you know. Mm, yeah, looking so, forward to that. Yeah, so it's gonna be good. So I've got I've got that on the writing side. I've got them two to look forward to. Uh, I'm also writing a book. I've written a book about the bombing of Wellington in right. 1940 by a long German bomber. Now, I put that on hold because of these other things I'm doing. But as in the film, the film's released, as I say, we've got the Reverend Mrs. Simpson, Richard, uh, written by Richard D. Roberts, who's absolutely amazing and a very close friend of mine as well, may, may I add. And then we've got uh, J1S by Jay Cunningham. That's a sci-fi film. I've got a small role in that, but it's, it's very good. Uh, Metropolis, which we also mentioned, but we've also got The Rage. Now, watch out for that one. That's Joshua Cleave. He's won a few awards for various short films, and he made a short film called The Rage, which mm. is obviously a film about, uh, you know, infected, people infected and coming back from the dead. I actually died in that three times, guys. Oh. I, played, I, played, I played three different characters, yeah. So uh, I've died in a few films when I come think about it. So basically, that's uh, 
what was it? What was the camera I said before on his head? What? Oh, the GoPro. Go, GoPro. GoPro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GoPro camera. It's all filmed by that. And it was on. It was on Sky TV. It won. It won awards for the short order film. I was actually in Berlin with David Bowie's best friend, my best friend, Sarah Hine. Yeah. Uh, well, close friend, and it was close friend of David Bowie's watching them. You know, when the rage was on. Yeah. Uh, so seeing it win the yeah. Berlin Horror Festival, being in Berlin, and I, David Bowie lived in Berlin, so that was an emotional uh, part for me as well. But basically, the Rage Two is coming out, and uh, it's 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 a, it'll be a forty minute film or thereabouts. And I've seen some of the footage, and uh, I mean, it's a scientist with the iconic name as Thomas Newton. Now, Thomas Newton was David Bowie in The Man Who Fell to Earth. I had to Miver and Miver to get that name. It's not Thomas Jerome Newton, which was actual name in the script, so I've got away with Thomas Newton. So I'm, I'm scientist Thomas Newton in the film. But I mean, it looks really, really good, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, all these are due to be released, you know, so. Uh, Exciting, yeah. Looking forward to seeing seeing them come out and uh, and seeing how they go, and obviously getting in that that running scene as well. Oh, you're in that definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so I suppose with that in mind, with the, the running scene in mind, um, getting back on that on that running side of things to, as we as we come towards the end of the show now, um, you know, you still still sort of uh, pay attention obviously to the running world. Obviously, you, you you're coaching uh, Janice, uh, your partner, yeah. Um, you know, we had a, a fantastic um, British marathon trials, the first marathon trials in the UK for over 40 years. Right. Um, because obviously, the, the, for the last 40 years, they've always been at the London Marathon yeah. um, and things like that. But they now, um, you know, they did a unique one with COVID and everything like that to get the um, the guys out there ready for the Olympic selection. And uh, it was a fantastic performance from, from Chris Thompson, who, who's 39, he'll be 40 by the time he goes to Tokyo. That's amazing, that. You know, he's, he's won the GB vest for, for 23 years um, now, and, you know, this is his second Olympic Games he's going to. Amazing. And he had his first first little boy as well on oh, Tuesday fantastic. as well. So it was, it was a up and Everything's down, happening, late in life. Really. Well, say late in um, life. Yeah. Everything's happening, but, um, yeah. I mean, what, you know, um, you know what, what are your thoughts on athletics at the moment and things like that you know what, what do you see when you you've been to some of the races and stuff I know you were in the lead car when, when the Warrington Hart yeah, was, I, I, was I, back I, on a yeah I, I, I started and, the English Half Marathon in 2009 because I, I won the old Warrington and I drove the lead car in 2015 something like that I've also been a volunteer at the uh, uh, because my mother died of a stroke God bless her at a stroke 10 Ks I've, right. I've been volunteered in there so I'm still a massive athletic fan. In fact, what I've not mentioned is, uh, I want to get involved with Warrington Athletic Club as a volunteer. I do a lot of volunteer yeah. as you know. I want to be on, say, especially on track race days. Yeah. Even even it's well, especially cleaning the bins because I like yeah. the picking. So so uh, I want to be involved in 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 yeah. somewhere along. And I'm going to go down there and uh, and make myself known. And then I've not I've not sort of gone to, uh, put my name down for Monday Wednesday because I never know where I am with my yeah, acting yeah, yeah, and my yeah. writing. But I'm going to help as soon as the trap meeting starts. Some, yeah, some of the I'll, officiating or some of that. Yeah, yeah. Short hand on officials oh, and stuff like that. So I mean that. They've actually, you know, yeah. Matthew, they've actually advertised for these, and I, yeah, and yeah. I, I do volunteer work, and I feel terrible that I'm not yeah. being down there. So it'd be a great honour for me to be involved. I don't care what I'm doing, yeah. just to be helping out with that fantastic athletic club. Yeah. So yeah, my passion is still massively there, you know. And I'm following your career and John's career as well, yeah. you know, which was great excitement, you know. So I've, yeah, I, I love athletics and. When it's marathons or anything like that, I'm always fascinated, especially with the local runners like yourselves. You know, it's uh, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, you're a man, Derek, who still keeps fit. 
for, I believe, 500 press-ups a day or five days a week. Is this correct? Yeah, it's about five days a week. On my days off, I do 100 press-ups. Not bad for 61. You know, so I do 20 sets to 25. Uh, so for those listening who are in the autumn of their life, not quite the autumn, <laughs> the uh, the summer. <laughs> 500 press-ups. Yeah, and 500 press-ups. 20 why, sets to 25. Why'd you go for that particular exercise at full? Sort of? Well, it started off when... It, when I, when I had to retire from running to keep myself fit, I was still jogging at that point, you know. I don't run so now, I would just walk miles and miles and miles, do loads of walking, keep myself fit. But I, I thought I'm going to do 30 minutes of press-ups. That's what it, how it started. Yeah. So I was doing like 500 in, say, 25 minutes, 24 minutes. So I thought, well, 500 enough. So it was basically, that's what it was. Mm, probably, sets me, probably sets me about 35 minutes now. Yeah. I'm not telling myself, getting older. But I, I still do me 500, 20 sets, 25 uh, five days a week and on my two days off I'll do 100 press ups you know I read this week your big news in Warrington um, all over the local press patron Shannon Bradshaw Trust yeah. uh, what does that mean to you oh, a charity that raises money what 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 Exactly. What what's what, what's going on there with this it's, particular? It raises money, it raises functions, and, and for I, I personally have been very critical of a lot of charities. You know, one yeah. pence in the in the pound, but this is not it's, like it's that. It's not like that. No, it's nothing. Tell like me that. about this one. Well, it's it's Patty and Alan Bradshaw, the, the sadly lost her daughter Shannon years to ago. a plastic anemia. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and they, and they they started this charity, and they do such an, an amazing job, and people. From what I've seen, people donate. Uh, I've got a few gifts this week when I donate. Well, people are really donating stuff. You know, uh, I mean, for example, I bought, I bought uh, a mermaid for what you call it, grand, grand, grandchild. I brought, brought a mermaid. I bought a mermaid for a, 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 a toy mermaid, like a doll. And that was sort of donated. So that then donated. You, you've made the purchase and yeah. then the money goes towards yeah. the cause. A funny story with that. It caused a bit of trouble because... Brooke's sister, uh, Primrose, also, they was fighting over his mermaid. So, luckily, there was two mermaids, so I went back and bought the other ones, and now they're happy. <laughs> yeah, but basically, uh, the, the children were very poorly, and they sat in the oven, and the families were struggling. They, they, they raised all, uh, do all this charity work for them. Uh, Patsy is absolutely amazing. She's, and when she asked me, would you be interested, I was, uh, when you see the people, the patrons as well, you've got... Uh, not that it matters who's a patron to be honest what I'm saying is is just to be involved with this charity is fantastic but when you see the names you know like uh, Frank Bruno and, and Nigel Ben and Charlie Hale Charlie Hale my best friend yeah. what a talented fella he is uh, Kerry Catona and Stianud and everything and uh, there's many 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 more yeah. Joe Egan who was in my Muhammad Ali's dream music video with, which me and Charlie put together you know all these people and, and just to be uh, associated with that and but as I say, there's such lovely people as well, and the work what they do and what they give back. I've seen it, I'm there, and it's absolutely amazing. I'm very, very, very honoured to be a part of that. You know, it's a life-threatening condition, a yeah. plastic anemia. Yeah. For those who are unaware, it's yeah, of course, yes, yeah, yeah. It's been marvellous, Derek, for me, and for me, and for Matthew, and for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly enjoyed that listening to your story in fact we could go on forever we could go on for another but we're bringing it to a close here any final words of wisdom from Derek Vernon uh, just massive thank yous for the three people who've come into my life late uh, well actually there's a few more than that <laughs> but Michael Trainer, you know we met at acting school who's doing as I've already 
Pelé doing fantastic in Spain and he's going for big doors. Uh, Charlie Hansen for always being there. Charlie Hale with two sons, obviously. My girlfriend Janice, uh, Richard D. Roberts, who we'll be working with hopefully again. Uh, Ryan Green and Alicia, who uh, uh, I've not mentioned them, who, who are also a big influence on my life. Uh, all the other people, Joshua Cleave, Jay Cunningham, Peter Sincere, all these people. But as I say, Michael, Charlie, and the legendary Rock Salt. Uh, these people have come to me. Well, Charlie's always been there. I met these people through acting. And and you have proven that f- yeah. from that bleakest depression part of your life yeah. that you came through it. And, came through uh, it. A beacon of light for those around us yeah. who can see that story and listen to it. Well, my... my, my my feeling on that is, lads, seriously now, I mean, I was in the worst place you could be and there's other people have been mm. there. So it's not just me. This is talking about everyone. If you're, when you're in that position, when I had £20 saved, joking apart, £20, I knew, as soon as I knew I'd, I'd hit rock bottom as bankrupt and I was going to lose everything, straight away I thought, my children, I thought, right, how do we get out of this? You've got to have a positive plan. I don't care what it is, you've got to think it's positive and you've got to go for your dream. I mean, I, I've, Hopefully, I'm succeeding. I like to think I'm doing pretty well, but never give up. Never give up, and and there's always something. Even even if it's just to get employment, to get your own flats, but even if you're renting, it doesn't matter. Money is not money. I mean, I've got money for my children. I like to think my houses, but no one remembers. I heard this about uh, uh, Tyson Fury's father said it the other day on the TV, and I heard this said before. Having lots and lots and lots of money is not important. What's important is, is your success. No one, no one remembers a dead rich man, do they? Yeah. I mean, your success, I think, is being a honest, nice person and trying to help people, but going out and going for what you can do and what can be best for you. Uh, whether it's getting, just getting, I've, I've seen people uh, getting getting a flat and paying rent yeah. and they'll they never be able to buy something, but they're happy. They've got what they wanted. People in the running world, what's it like, lads, when they get a PB? When they've won their own personal race. We've won races, big races. But they've got their... Per- Everyone gets a PB. Yeah. Everyone's won their own personal race. To them, and to everyone, it's massive. So basically, just go for your dreams and go out for what you can. You might not get to as far as what you can get, but go for it and aim for it and never give up and keep going. And I mean that, honestly, you've got to do with it. that many people now who are struggling. Uh, I try to, try to help people, many people as I can, but... You can only do what you can do, you know. Very well. Thank you so much. Thank you.